You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Hey everyone, Nathan here. Just wanted to put in a brief message here to let you know that the audio in this episode that you're about to hear is not up to the standards that we normally hold in the 42 cast. If you recall last year, I put a similar disclaimer in front of the Snyder Cut episode and this episode was recorded very close in time to that one. Something was wrong in the settings on my computer. I thought it was the settings on my microphone, but the microphone would have had different settings on this one so i'm still not sure exactly what happened but it is a problem that has gone away but this is an episode that was affected by it so i'm sorry about that everything is perfectly hearable you can tell what beth and i are saying on the episode but it just sounds it sounds like we're talking on a telephone rather than into a microphone let's put it that way so the sound quality just isn't there so just wanted to warn everybody about that I still hope that you listen to the episode, because I still think we bring up a lot of good points, but just wanted to prepare everyone for it and let you know that this won't be the way things are going forward. All right, without further ado, here is the episode. Let's meet our cast for this week. Starting off, she is our queen of cosplay. She is my lady wife, and that is Beth. How are you doing, Beth? I'm doing great. How are you doing? (laughs) I'm doing okay. (laughs) So what are you working on tonight, Beth? So this is actually a genuine question, because you have no idea. I have no idea. This is actually um, a petticoat. It's a historical costume I'm working on, but you haven't seen it yet until the anniversary. So there you go. Okay. Yeah. Our anniversary is in like two days. Yeah, it's in two days from the time of recording. (laughs) So I am confused and I don't know what's going on, but something is going on. The it sounds like the state every husband is in as a right. husband. Like that's, <laughs> that's just where I live. I'm glad that you said that and not me. <laughs> but Beth doesn't know what I got her for our anniversary. And it's basically going to like be like anniversaries are just like useless after this because it's that good. Oh, I have a feeling it's the same for you. This time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I think we're, we're, we're not really raising the bar today. Right. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> all right. Well, it's good to have you back on the show, Beth. Thank you for having me. Okay. <laughs> Speaking of the ever, no. Um, anyway. <laughs> Sorry. That's so confusing. Choose your words carefully. All right. Uh, so next up, he is the guy that always has a drink in his hand, and that is my buddy James. How are you doing, James? Doing good. All right, so James, what are we drinking today? 
<laughs> cranberry juice. What? <laughs> yeah. Uh, what? So I know. I know. I wish. I really do. Cranberry uh, whiskey, perhaps? Man, that would be different. Um, yeah. No. So there's a whole thing behind it. Uh, the, the short version is essentially uh, my doctor. I did a blood test uh, like mm. a month ago, and my doctor looked at it and went, your liver enzyme levels seem a little high. And I was like, okay. And she was just like, no, like that could be an issue. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Um, so she wants me to like stop drinking, no Tylenol, like nothing that can inflame the liver or anything like that over the next two months. I'm a month in, I have one more month to go. And I'm not, that, that's the thing is like the way I'm saying this makes it sound, I'm sure to anybody listening, like this guy's an alcoholic. Um, <laughs> and I'm the really fact, not. Like- really not like references drinking i know i know everything about me says this guy drinks a lot um but the thing is like with the pandemic and like being stuck at home working and like the job i have is uh it can be it can be kind of high stress sometimes and so um i don't like i'm not one of those people who like deals with his issues by going to a drink um like usually that's a video game um, so I just like to enjoy a drink once in a while. And usually for this podcast, I am, <laughs> but yeah, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sober. I'm super, super sober. And, uh, yeah, once they took the option away, now I'm like, God, I just want to drink. Like that's all I want to <laughs> do. funny how that works, right? I know. Once I you know. don't have the option, it's all you want. Oh man. And that's what, like I told my wife. So it's going I, like, to be interesting to see like James without any alcohol in his system and how does he perform on the podcast? I know, I know. What'll be funny is if I actually do like better than I do when I'm <laughs> like under the influence and people are like, wow, he has a lot more opinions and stuff. <laughs> you might need another heading on the cast page. James, sober James. <laughs> <laughs> fair. Fair. So, so, so yeah, now you should just be Roman, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, Roman on the bench. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, James, other than like one hundred percent sobriety, um, are anything else interesting going on? Um, not super, super interesting. My life has gotten simpler, uh, thankfully. Um, I, I passed my licensing exam. Um, third time was the charm. It took getting stuck in a snowstorm uh, half a block away from the testing center <laughs> and like getting there three minutes before I needed to be there. Uh, but yeah, uh, all that's done. So I got nothing but time in front of me. I can actually like watch some TV shows, uh, which is what I've been doing a lot of in my free time is like catching up on some TV shows and uh, finishing out uh, a couple of games and stuff that I just, yeah, I just yeah, didn't have time. It's been cause... like a good four or five month period where you couldn't be on the show because you're like, I'm studying for my test. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it, so anybody's like, what kind of test is that? It's the mortgage NMLS licensing exam. Um, so it is a national. That's a lot of big words. Yeah, it's a national registry. Um, the funny thing is, is my job doesn't really use it. Like my position, it doesn't really use it, but they want us to have it anyways, just in case. Uh, but it allows me to basically be able to talk about mortgage rates and I could sell somebody a mortgage if I wanted to, which I really have a lot of interest in, even though that's definitely where more of the money is. But yeah, um, so yeah, it was rough. Like it's a hard test and it's not a test that tests intelligence, which I would have preferred that test. <laughs> but <laughs> This was just like random questions and 
in a book that was like this thick. Um, and they're like, oh yeah, no, we have over 4,000 questions we pull from, of which it's a random 125 every time you take that test. I was like, great, this is dumb. I don't like it. So, <laughs> Well, I'm glad it's all behind you. Yeah, uh, I, I have plans to start getting back into podcasting, hopefully doing more shows with you, getting back into planning more content on my, my on, on my own stuff. Um, I got a friend of mine who's uh, kind of intrigued me to uh, do some stuff for a site that she's got on the writing end of things, which would be nice to get back to writing again. So, yeah, hopefully, hopefully some big things coming coming in the future. All right. Sounds good. And good to have you back on the show, James. Good to be back. All right, and finally, we have someone that I met through Virtual Dragon Con last year, and that is, and she's been with us on a few episodes also, and that is my friend Jess. How are you doing, Jess? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing all right. And uh, I saw on your Facebook that you've got a big change coming, and of course, by that, I mean you have your new dog that you got. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, well, we have two new big changes coming, um, which, as uh, we both pointed out, is not twins, so I'm I'm actually, yeah, we're having another baby, so I'm... Congratulations. By the time, if anybody cares, by the time this comes out, I'll do in August 2021, so I don't know where this is going to fall, so just for reference. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> well, we're we're getting caught up, so you know, theoretically, yeah. theoretically, especially since this doesn't get like another season, like there's no plan on this being like right. so. It's like I say, it's a different schedule for things that I'm trying to slot in, like just before like the new season drops. But yeah, we are we are getting through the back. I'm almost caught up on movies. It's amazing. <laughs> nice, that is exciting. Yeah, I've seen some new things dropping in the feed that look interesting. So. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, but, uh, I mean, obviously you have, you know, a a big life change coming and then you have also, like I said, the new dog, but, uh, anything else going on? Anything else interesting? Um, not really. I mean, nothing else other than those two things has changed much in my life. We're just, we're, me and my husband are both still working at home, living the COVID dream. Uh, but vaccines are in sight soon. So I'm pretty excited for that. I will actually won't have a panic attack when I go into a grocery store anymore. So there's that. We're getting ours tomorrow. Nice. Yeah. I'm getting mine next week. So. Oh, nice. Good. Yeah. Yeah. So it's first shot for us and yeah, we're getting it tomorrow. And then like the second one's going to be like end of April, you know, timeframe, but uh, yeah, it'll be nice to like, you know, hopefully by the time the Marvel movies start dropping in July, you know, we'll be able to go to a movie theater and actually watch it on a big screen, even though they're going to have the Disney Plus option. So, yeah. I know. Crazy times. We actually I didn't get realize to... you were going to do it at the same time as me. Will you hold my hand? Well, I don't know how it's all going to work. I suspect they're going to want us all distanced <laughs> from each other, but... Uh, I think Yeah, she does. She's, oh. she's a baby, you know, They really. just need to get somebody who's good with a trank gun and just, like, <laughs> from range, like, we got her. <laughs> I don't think it works that way either, Val. Do they? When they're shooting animals. When they're when it's in the movies, they always like hit like the arm or something. Oh, because it's a fun trick to have it between your fingers and you slap your neck. Oh, I shot the neck neck with a train. Yeah. yeah. Um, Okay. All right. Let's get to have you back on the show, Jess. It's good to be here. Okay. So, so uh, as people know who have listened to the show before, uh, now it is time for our five-minute controversy. 
And our five-minute controversy this time kind of ties in with the show that we're going to talk about because what I wanted to talk about is um, binging and binge-watching for shows because, you know, for the longest time, you know, with streaming services back when we only had the two of Netflix and Hulu, the idea was, you know, generally, like, they would just drop, like, a whole season of a show all at once and that was sort of like the idea you know new streaming show here's your season of content now hulu's kind of gone to back to like an individual release kind of thing netflix still kind of does the the whole season kind of thing but it's becoming more and more common as you know the nine million new streaming services have you know come out in the last two years that you know they they go episodically it is you know uh, just like if you were watching something on broadcast it's like once a week until they get through the entire season of content. And so, you know, um, so what I'm curious about, you know, because obviously with with streaming, you have the potential, whereas broadcast, everything is ephemeral because there's no way to save content in the air. Um, You know, they have to do that. But with streaming, of course, it's a choice. So my question to you guys is, do you prefer to have things all set out to binge or do you prefer to watch it episodically and have the week over week um so we'll start with you this time james uh um god it's hard to say it kind of depends on the series for me um and i say this with, with the reference that uh recently i i decided you know what uh Friends have been recommending this to me. I'm going to pick up the the show. Uh, I started watching watching Blackish on Hulu. What I didn't realize is that there's like seven seasons of Blackish that are out. Uh, and <laughs> so I ended up binging I, through like six seasons. Like it was like every day, every opportunity I had, I watched as many episodes as I could because I, I just want to catch up to the current season. And by the time I got to the end of it, part of me was like, you know. Here's the funny thing about a show like this. Very little of the show ties in all together, where it's like, if I miss season one or I miss season three, I'm not really losing anything in season eight or season seven. It's its its, its own thing. It's its own amalgamation. There's not really a lot of cutbacks that you have to be familiar with. But you have shows like, um, you know, some, some of Star Trek, you have... Uh, things in uh, a lot of sci-fi you have um, some of the shows that I I really enjoy where like WandaVision um, where it's just when the writing's really good and everything ties together in that way mm. I'm totally okay with binging through like the boys every time they've released a season I'm like no I'm just watching all of it now that's what I'm doing um, because I know it's all going to tie together kind of thing so yeah, I think it just really depends on the type of TV series for me, um, as far as like if I prefer that or if I don't. Like WandaVision, I almost waited, I almost waited, um, where I was just like, ah, maybe we should. Um, we ended up actually binging like six episodes because we ended up behind, um, and then yeah, and then we just got to those final episodes. And we were watching it week to week, and I was fine with it. But at the same time, I was like, oh, but I want so much more. Why is the writing so good? So. <laughs> All right, Beth, what, what do you prefer? I like my TV like my chocolate. I like to binge. <laughs> <laughs> I want it Put all, that on a I want it now. <laughs> <laughs> that should be a t-shirt. <laughs> I have a cricket machine. I can make that happen. Um, but just 
if I if I want a little snack, I'll watch an episode or two. If I want, you know, a whole chocolate cake, I want the whole whole season at once. So, yeah, I like that they have it. Like the, if they can just drop the whole season, then people can choose if they want to have snacks or gorge sessions. So, I need to get away from the food analogy. <laughs> <laughs> Hungry, Beth? No, I'm not. Uh, oh, okay. All right. So. I worked on that analogy the whole time he was talking. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I was completely unprepared by like how violently people would get upset with me for expressing the opinion that Disney should release the whole season. Like all of a sudden, like people came out of the woodwork to like go on my like my feed that like people like knew never respond to any of my posts. Like are suddenly there going like, no, it is better to do week to week. So, you know, I was just like, oh, okay, no, but anyway, Jess, what do you prefer? Well, I don't feel quite that strongly about it because I don't think I commented on that post. <laughs> right. But uh, I'm going to go, I think I'm going to go with week to week um, just because I'm a terrible binger. Like, it doesn't matter what the show is unless it's super light and fluffy. Like, I'm talking like a comedy that I can literally almost put on in the background and just let it play. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just I'm terrible at binging. I I can get like two episodes and then I I just have to be done, especially with the more intense stuff. Cuz I like to think about it, I like to like dissect it. So I like having that week break so that my brain can do its thing and just like go into overload. This is why I do a podcast TV review show. <laughs> Sure. Yeah, no, I, uh, yes, yeah, I mean, I already gave away that I'm more of the, the binge person. And it does depend on the show. Like James is talking about, like, you know, shows that are very standalone. So anything like an older show, like, yeah, I think binging gets a lot more tedious when it's something like that because it's like, there's no story arc so there's nothing to keep you hooked like watching like a bunch of episodes all in a row so if it's something where it's very week to week either it'd have to be something where it's like in the background like you were talking about jess Mm -hmm. or it would be something that um you know i'd rather only watch one or two at a time like i i couldn't watch like you know a dozen star trek the next generation episodes together because even though i love star trek the next generation it's a very standalone show and 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 there's no hook to keep you but something like wandavision a lot of shows nowadays like are built around arcs so i find like i prefer watching as long as i have of a window to sit down and watch i just like watching the show like through right um so uh so yeah and and, and again i mean the argument you know a lot of people have is even if they prefer that they they you know they talk about spoiler you know it's like oh well you can just wait and then watch it because that was what we did with wandavision just wait and watch it but then people are like but spoilers and that has more to do with other people though than like what your actual preference is that's just because other people are jerks and are posting things because yeah a few things did get spoiled for me because even with me trying to scroll through as fast as i could if i saw somebody talking about wanted people are posting like pictures from the show on Facebook, like the day after the episode drops. And it's like, really? Really? (laughs) People get really excited about their content, I will say. And it was a great show. So like, I totally get it. But I've just never been that person because like you, I'm very sensitive to spoilers and it really pisses me off when that thing um if that thing is what like gets spoiled for me because of like social media. So I'll just put a freeze on it. I'll be like, I haven't watched the episode like I'm not going to go on social media tonight, like until un, until I can watch it. So. Yeah. So what we did is we watched it in three installments. Basically, we watched the first three, then the middle three and then the final three. And basically, we watched the final three. 
I think the day that the last one dropped or maybe the day after. So it was like we kind of caught like synced up, you know, like at the end, you know, with where everybody else was. But um, but yeah, I, I much preferred like I, I, you know, there's a lot of frustration that people had who were watching it weekly that were like, man, like in the early episodes, like nothing's happening and I don't get it and all that. And while I think I had like a better inkling of what was going on, I think I would have found that tedious watching that week to week until the storyline actually got moving. And so I'm kind of glad we like, you know, batched it and we're able to watch like three right in a row. And then, you know, you kind of know where you're going and everything. So, yeah. I heard so many complaints about the first three episodes. I thought it was great. I loved it. I love it when you can pull off a good like satire. I just mm. I love it. And so I yeah, no, I mean, I, it, it definitely works on that perspective. We're going to get into that in a second, but, um, yeah. but, but yeah, I at least, I at least understand people kind of getting frustrated after three weeks, though, of, but nothing actually is happening. It's just sitcom satire, you know, so. That's fair. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, okay. All right. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I think we kind of ran a spectrum on this, which is good, because I like, I like it when we don't all agree on the five-minute controversy. But, uh, yeah, right now, then, we're going to pause for a promo from another fine podcast, and then we're going to come back to talk about WandaVision. Everyone these days could use a little support, and your friends at the ESO Network are no different. With the ESO Network Patreon, the cool thing is, is when you help support us, it's you who will benefit. With four tiers starting for as little as 25 cents a week, you can listen to some of your favorite network podcasts early, hear exclusive content, maybe get some ESO swag, or even possibly take a shot at the geek seat. All you need to do is sign up at patreon.com backslash ESO network. Like we talked about at the top of the show, we are talking about WandaVision. So I am curious because while I know for Beth and myself, I don't know for you guys at all, are you familiar at all with Wanda and Vision from the comics? So uh, let's start with you this time, Jess. No. Okay. Super simple answer. Yes. (laughs) All right. James? I guess I have to give the long complex one then. Uh, No, uh, (laughs) uh, vaguely. Um, A lot of my comic knowledge of Wanda and Vision has been through Wikipedia. Um, Because I'm one of those people where I'm like, I could buy all the comics, (laughs) but I don't have all that money. So I can't can't do it. Um, So yeah, just like I've done a lot of Wikipedia research on the comic counterpart. Um, of Wanda and Vision and a lot of other characters. So I just, I, I have a principal basis to know where I'm working from. Yeah, I hear you. I did the same thing with Black Lightning because that was a character that I knew nothing about. And so when that show came out for the CW, I was like, but what is the comic like? Like, is this anything like the communist? So yeah, I did some reading <laughs> up on Black Lightning. Um, but uh, okay. And, and Beth, just so that the audience knows. I actually did have a teeny tiny bit of knowledge about Wanda and Vision and it was from um, something I read in Comixology. Um, it was 
Um, that great run where it had Hope Summers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It Avengers was right after X-Men. Wanda had said yeah. no more, no more mutants. Right. So I at least knew that they had had a relationship, and after that moment, they were they were divorced, and it was a whole bunch of messy drama. But I knew that at one point in time they were married. So okay, that's about all I knew. I had forgotten you read that, so you actually did know more than I thought that you did going into it. So I'm sneaky. Okay. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, I guess I'm the one then, because even though I was not reading comics in the '80s. Um, I was well aware of the events of the Vision and Scarlet Witch limited series because they do impact things going forward from there. And it is something that's referenced quite a bit. And the White Vision and a lot of that other stuff that turns up in this. I was aware of it, even though I didn't read the comics in question. So I knew a lot of the background of what they were playing with, but I hadn't actually read the comics themselves. Like, kind of similar to James, like with reading Wikipedia. But, you know, in my case, it was like flashback, you know, in comics and, and you know, reading like comic magazines and stuff like that. And that's how I got yeah. a lot of my information back in the 90s. In the way, way back time, that is, is actually 30 years ago from now if you want to feel old. Don't say these things. You see those memes where they're like, you know, people say 20 years ago and I think they're talking about the 80s and then I realize that they're actually talking about the zeros and it's like, ah. So, anyway. I'm just feeling old right now. Um, but anyway. <laughs> right. Um, so, yeah, we got WandaVision. So... We have we start and and through a lot of it are going through riffs on various sitcoms. So um, let's start with you this time, Beth. What did you think of the sitcom riffs? And were there ones that you preferred over other ones, or was it all pretty much the same for you? Or what what did you what did I, you like about I that? I found those so so charming, especially the first two that were in black and white, because I grew up watching Nick at Night when it was I Dream of Jeannie and Bewitched, and so and and my my entire family is huge fans of I Love Lucy. Um, so, actually, the first episode at first I thought it was a riff on I Love Lucy, but turns out later it was Dick Van Dyke. So that was my I bad. Too. Uh, <laughs> I did um, too. But yeah, just those were just such blasts from from the past, even though I didn't live through that time. Um, it was, they were reruns for me, but I, I just loved them so much. And so it was, it just brought that warm, fuzzy feeling while at the same time towards it, at certain points, they'd switch to twilight zone and we're like, Oh, something's not right here. So that was just, it was so well done. I really appreciated that whole thing. Oh, now see, now, now I want them, like, I wish they had just shifted the camera over and had a guy just standing there being like, witness if you will. <laughs> <laughs> a couple on the brink of insanity. You know, something along those lines. That would have been great. That would have been sitting with the 60s. But, um, all right. So, uh, yeah, James, what about you? What did you think about the, the sitcoms? So, um, I'll be honest, it was weird for the first three episodes because uh, I just I knew what was going to happen. Like I knew that they had been talking about this and I was just like, interesting. OK, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> and and a lot of these are shows like I'm definitely like familiar with a reference to. But like I've ne I had never seen like the Dick Van Dyke show or anything like that when I was a kid. 
um like even even just like like old vhs's or something that you know my aunt or something like never never saw any of that kind of stuff um i mean i was familiar with things like getting into the brady bunch and um and then once they got started getting like it, it, as it started to modernize at some point like i was like oh i know what this is okay i'm with this now okay <laughs> um and i just knew like what era those shows were and i was like oh okay and and yeah it, it became redeeming um it was just in the beginning i was like i don't know what this is all leading up to i have no idea <laughs> and this is just a little bizarre but yeah no i thought it was an interesting play i think uh what helped me is i actually watched an interview with paul bettany and I hadn't finished the series, so I was very cautious about this interview. <laughs> I was like, don't you don't you ruin it for me. Uh, but he uh, he just talked about the fact that like it was really interesting because they actually some of the episodes that were filmed before a live studio audience. Mm -hmm. yeah. he actually, they did in front of a live audience. And he himself had never done that kind of acting. He was like, I've never done a live show like that. He goes, so it was really, really interesting. Um to do that. And so, uh, yeah, I just, I thought it was cool to see how modern technology can still go back and emulate something from those bygone eras. And it's still redeeming. Like, it's not terrible. Like, it's not the worst thing you've ever seen. It's very wholesome and innocent and interesting. And yeah, I, I was sold on it by, by the time uh, I, I, I started to regulate as it were. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm going to agree with you when I saw, cause they did like a whole documentary on the series. We watched that afterwards and, uh, you know, they showed like they, they, they went back and used like all the techniques and technology and stuff that would have been appropriate for the time period. And I was like, Oh, that's next level. You know, like, that's like, you know, like I, I realized that they just you know, were doing it in black and white and everything, but the fact that they did it in the live studio audience, they were using the technology and techniques of the time and all that kind of stuff. It was like, okay, that is really, really cool that they went to that, you know, uh, extent to make it feel like uh, like a show of the time period that they were doing. So, yeah. And the way that they did the sets as well, like the, the kitchen, for example, was a very pale blue, just like it was back in those times, because when it comes across on screen, it's got that light gray hue. But if you have something that's red, it looks really dark, which is why they had Vision. His face was painted blue instead of that burgundy color. So this would it wouldn't look right. Yeah, on the black and white. So they, yeah, they, they did things for the black and white to make them look right. Um, excuse me. Uh, so Jess, what about, I know you mentioned a little bit about the, about the sitcom <laughs> aspect, but yeah. And were there any particular ones that like grabbed you more than others? The bewitched one, because that was the, the, fir the one that I for sure, without a doubt knew what it was because I like Beth, I watched all of those on Nick at night when I was growing up. And so it was the nostalgia for me, for sure. Like I, they, they left a little bit of mystery in there to like, keep it going forward. But, and that kept me intrigued, but I, I like didn't need it. I was like, I know they can't keep this up. I was like, but for now, like I'm totally in for this. Like, this is fantastic. Like I would have watched like 10 episodes like that, which I think most people wouldn't. But um, yeah, I thought I thought they did a great job with it. Um, and I, you know, as, as it got more modernized, I got more of the references, but still it was it was well done. I enjoyed it, that aspect of it for sure. 
now that I feel impossibly old because Nick at Night came out when I was like nine or ten. Uh, but I watched a lot of those shows because when I was little, like they were on weekday afternoons. Like, you know, so if you were home from school or whatever, like before the cartoons would start on weekday, you know, afternoons, like around three o'clock, like you're watching TV one o'clock in the afternoon, two o'clock in the afternoon, they would show you know, uh, Gomer Pyle, Bewitched, uh, you know, uh, I Dream of Genie, and a lot of those 60s shows. Gilligan's Island, I think, was in the morning. But yeah, a lot of the 60s shows were on, like, TV. And so I could watch them that way. And so that's how I was familiar with a lot of them. Um, and, uh, and yeah, no, I mean, like, I really liked it because, again, I was familiar with it. Although, ironically, the only one that I've never, like, of, of those old ones, I've never actually watched an episode of The Brady Bunch. I am aware of what The Brady Bunch is from the pop culture, but when I was a kid, they showed the 50s and 60s shows on TV. They, they you know, the 70s, because I was, this is the early 80s, the 70s was too recent. They weren't really showing, like, 70s shows on TV. And so I never really saw those 70s shows you know when i was growing up but i saw a lot of 50s and 60s television growing up and uh so yeah so like brady bunch means nothing to me other than i'm aware of it but then family ties was a show that was on while i was a kid that was on television so they they went to the 80s and it was family ties and i was like ah family ties you know like because that i remember because it was coming out when i was a kid I'm annoyed that they skipped the 90s because that's probably my most television-aware time period, like when I was watching everything on TV, um, and they skipped the 90s and went straight to the 2000s for Malcolm in the Middle, which that was when I was in college, and so I never really watched it. Again, I'm aware of it, but you know, I never watched Malcolm in the Middle. I never watched Modern Family, uh, which is the last one that they if did. they had done the 90s, they probably would have felt pressure to do Full House, and that would have been a little uncomfortable. <laughs> no, That's what I, I was think waiting Full House for. would have been fun because of the Olsen connection. I That's think that what I was waiting weird. for. I thought the Brady Bunch one for a minute was was Full House, and then I was like, no, it's eight. this is 80s. This is 80s. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because if you think about it, um, Uncle Jesse and, and Aunt Becky have twins. Yes. So they... <laughs> <laughs> they could have been the Uncle Jesse and Aunt Becky characters and like a full house thing. <laughs> like, so, I think it's a missed opportunity, especially with Elizabeth Olsen. Come on. <laughs> right. Although I kept joking that when they did the 90s, it should be married with children. <laughs> oh, that would have been amazing. <laughs> but Vision would have to act way too like out of character for Vision for them to really do married with children. So. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I... Uh, but yeah, so yeah, the later ones I also wasn't really like very familiar with because you know, I don't watch a lot of sitcoms now and, and you know, so I, I wasn't, you know, really aware of those. But um, it's really interesting to me right now because listeners may not always be, all be aware of this, but there's a bit of an age gap between the two of us, five, about five and a half years. <laughs> don't pull up the yardstick. Um so it's interesting that I love. I always say six years, but you have to say five and a half because there's actually six months apart from our birthday. I, I, I'm aware that it's actually five and a half, but it's just easier to say six when you round. <laughs> this is like when me and my wife talk about our age difference, which is I always go. I'm like, it's like a year and a half. She's like, it's two years, and I'm like, no, it's a six month difference between our birthdays. See, she's younger than me, so I like making it sound much bigger than it is because I'm like, yeah, I'm married a younger woman. Yeah, Colonel Robert. Um, but it's, it's it interests me because how when when these shows came out in your in your lifetime and versus yeah. my lifetime, like in school, 
for a project, I actually did a very a fairly deep dive into the Brady Bunch, mm. whereas you never saw that. Right. And I was at least aware of Malcolm in the Middle, and I never watched it. So yeah, I saw commercials for. I knew <laughs> I'm aware it existed, but I never actually watched the show. So whereas I never even heard of Modern Family, like that was like people were like yeah, it's Modern exactly. Family, and I'm like. I don't know, like, I don't, like, everything I watch now is on DVR and we skip the commercials, so, like, I get that it's a recent show, but it's one that I never watched, so. Yeah, we were sitting there like, is this The Office? Right. Because <laughs> oh, that was the only show amazing. I knew of. That was the only show I knew of where they did, like, the things where you cut to somebody talking to the camera, and I was like, but it doesn't seem like it's The Office, but that's the only show I know that does that. So I was confused what they were doing there. So Yeah, no, The Office for a minute spawned several talking head, uh, like things that kind of came after it. I mean, like Parks and Rec was kind of concurrent with it, I guess. But yeah, Modern Family, they de definitely did the whole like talking head thing. I, I watched a lot of Modern Family. I didn't stick with it till the end, but I watched a good six seasons. Yeah, I, probably the one we're most familiar with is not a very successful one, which was the Muppets revival that they did a few years back where they, they were doing that technique with the Muppets. <laughs> but I'm a huge Muppets fan, so, you know. Um, which is also, just, so it's on topic because it's also a Disney property. <laughs> All right. Um, but okay, so um, there have been some controversies with their show. And before we dive into the meat of it, I, I kind of wanted to talk about these controversies because what happened is a lot of people got their expectations, you know, about certain things that were going to happen. And a lot of it's because they're people who read a lot of comics and they were convinced that certain things were coming or happening or they wanted their own little theory to happen. And it really bent some people out of shape. And I, I want to talk about a few of these. So first up, I'm going to talk about the one that was a deliberate troll on the part of the writers, which was putting Evan Peters in as Pietro, um, that so many people were convinced, this is how we get the X-Men in the MCU. And uh, yeah, let, I'll let you guys talk about it before I put my own two cents in it. But, <laughs> but, but James, since you were like given like the big like, yeah, when I mentioned oh. Evan Peters, so like... <laughs> Yeah, so, no, so, so it was. This, so, so, what do you think about that? Did you were you super disappointed, or did, did you expect it to mean like the X Men were all just going to cross over into the MCU? And so, know? I mean, at, at first glance, so it was funny because my wife was the one sitting on the couch, and she was like, "I don't think this is what people think it might be," and I was just like, "But what if it is?" Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was, and I don't think I honestly thought, like, I I don't think I really believed, like. Yes, like this is how we get the MCU. I mean, I was making the defensive arguments where I was just like, well, I mean, here's the reality. Like, have we really seen much out of the actor who played Peter in uh, in the MCU version? I mean, we've like this is my favorite version of Quicksilver is this guy and he's great. Um, but he also but that's the thing is I started thinking about it. I was like, God, he does American Horror Story and he plays all these different characters. And he plays some really wonky characters that are very good at the misdirect. Um, and so he's just a, an actor that's good at playing that kind of character. Um, so, yeah, it's like this charade went on longer and longer. I was just like, 
Yeah, I think my wife's onto something, but that's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Because <laughs> the thing is, like, I know the reality is the reality is they weren't going to bring in MCU, the MCU as it currently stands. Like, they weren't going to do that. Disney. You mean they weren't going to bring in the Fox X Men yeah, universe? Yeah. So, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Disney knows what a mess that's been. And I'm sure they're like, no, we're going to clean this up. Like, we're going to do Fantastic Four. God help me. Hopefully, the right way. <laughs> Um, Third time's the charm, right? Well, technically, fourth time's the charm. Right. Oh my gosh. <laughs> if you count um, the Corman version. So, yeah, so it's one of those where I was just like, Disney's going to go their own way about introducing mutants and, and, and whatnot. And, and so I don't think this is what it is, but man, it was clever. I thought it was absolutely well, brilliant. And that's, the thing. that's the only one that I understand some people being upset about because they did deliberately troll people. And that was a deliberate Mr. X. So oh, yeah. I understand a little bit on that one. Like, I don't think, I think people are taking it way too far, like in their anger, but the, that one wasn't people just out of the blue picking their fan theories and trying trying to meld them onto the show. That was a deliberate troll. Um, which makes they, it all they, the sweet. Oh, right. Which, so, <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's yeah, they wanted people to think that, you know, they were trying to and do that. It's just like, oh, so. feed me your hate. Feed <laughs> right. me. These want people to talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, I'm such a fan of Quicksilver in the comics that I am not a fan of Evan Peters because I do not like Quicksilver as a light comedy character. Uh, Quicksilver <laughs> is supposed to be an arrogant jerk. And that is what I want. Like the, the Avengers version was closer to how he is in the comics, even though even then I don't think he was as interesting as he should have been. He was a little too much jerk and not anything else. But in the end, he really was just a meat shield. Yeah, movie, so. <laughs> yeah. nothing but right, a great so, bullet sponge. All right, so Jess, yeah. what did you think about the uh, the Evan Peters controversy? I about died. I I appreciated the joke. I never once for a second thought they were trying to bring in X-Men. I know that a lot of people thought that. But I I mean I love Evan Peters and so like the minute and I knew he played Quicksilver. So the minute that they they showed it was him, I was like, "Oh my god, this is hilarious. I love this." And I just I love him. So I was just happy to have him on my screen again. I haven't been watching as much American Horror Story, so I uh, haven't haven't had my Evan Peters fix in a while. But, is that yeah. show still on? Yeah. Oh, okay. I don't know if he's still on it, but it is still on. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I had no clue. I mean, again, it's another show I don't watch because I'm not a horror person. But uh, yeah, yeah I, well, I'm aware of it. But I thought, uh, you know, I haven't heard anything about it in such a long time. But I think that's more because I'm not watching anything on Fox currently. Yeah, I don't <laughs> well, think we're watching on... anything on Fox. It was on was FX, so I don't know what they ended up doing with it, with all oh. the stuff that has changed, because I haven't watched it in so long. And it is dark. I mean, this is not like a Fox proper show. Yeah, no, I mean, like I saw a commercial with like spiders crawling out of somebody's eye, and I'm like, that's not something I need to see. Sounds about right. Usually okay, the promos are the way creepier than the actual show. So. <laughs> all right, so Beth, what did you think about um, Richard Bonner? Or uh, <laughs> the Quicksilver. That <laughs> uh, was so funny. I'm kind of in the same boat as Jessica. I, that never crossed my mind that this would be um, X-Men getting their foot in the door. I thought it was just a really good gag, and I think they played it very well. And all the people who are bitter about it, just, just grab a Kleenex box and go away. They <laughs> recast Pietro? <laughs> that was the greatest line. <laughs> um yeah i uh you know again i I, and and this speaks to i think a lot of these controversies people wanted this show to be about something other than wanda and vision and it was ridiculous to me because all these theories all these things they wanted it to introduce 
it's not part of the through line of the of the characters and so it's like and then like if it's like oh now we've got to explain who the x-men are and now we've got to explain mutants and all of this and it's like the magneto is going to be revealed as wanda's father was one of the things that people were saying that was going to come out and all this stuff that i'm like first of all like james mentioned kevin feige is not going to take like the fox stuff and be like hey that's all mcu canon now or we're going to open a portal to that universe and they're all just going to flood over here or whatever way that people thought it was going to happen it's like he's not going to do that you know because he wants to create his own version of the X-Men from the ground up and he's not going to like just shoehorn that version into the MCU and but the other reason is because like I'm saying it's not there's no narrative through line there it's not it suddenly becomes like this show is just a thing to introduce other things rather than being a story about Wanda and Vision and the thing is they did a great job we're going to get into it of springboarding a few other things off but they were things that were part of the story. Like, like they, they, they were intrinsic to the story they were trying to tell rather than trying to get something from outside the story and push it in. So, yeah, I, I yeah. And I, I, people got way too mad about that. <laughs> but then I, I want to bring up the other one. Actually, I guess there are two other ones. But the other big one, because the villain of the original comic that was basically the, the Vision and Scarlet Witch story where they settle down and have kids and then find out it's all an illusion is a character in Marvel called Mephisto. And now Mephisto is sort of a devil stand-in. He comes from another universe, which is hot and flamey and you know he makes deals and you know he 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 tries to basically get people to like you know do or you know he either tries to take things from people or to make them do bad things um you know so it's very much that sort of a type of character and and he's the one behind the illusion that's in the vision and scarlet witch series where they think they have children when they really don't and all that kind of stuff and so it's more of a he is a villain you know that is creating this for them and, and people wanted that to be the mcu like like they wanted that to be this story and again people got very mad because they kept like trying to pick like that was one of the things i saw on my feed when i was trying to scroll through over the weeks is people trying to say like, who is mephisto like they were taking the different townspeople and trying to like figure out which one of these characters is actually mephisto in disguise and in the end there was no mephisto and people got really mad about it that it wasn't that mephisto wasn't there and so again i'm gonna ask you guys what do you think like did you guys even hear about this i guess um depending on how plugged in you were to, to like the fandom were you aware of this and like what do you think about the idea of having this sort of external person doing this to them rather than this being you know, again, like a story of like the grief of, of Wanda. So, uh, Beth, you're making a face. So why don't I start with you? I don't like the idea of this being an external thing. It didn't really, it wouldn't have fit the theme of what was going on. And um, it's, I just don't like that idea. I don't want to say too much right now because it'll just kill my, my fire for the rest of the, the podcast. But, you know, uh, just for the things I want to mention later, especially with like how Wanda's dealing with everything over the course of the series. Um, but yeah, it wouldn't really fit have it be Mephisto yeah. at all. Okay, Jess? 
Yeah, no, it was definitely a theory I was super aware of. It's kind of one of those things that if you talk to anybody about it or listen to anything about it, you couldn't not be aware of it. So while like I don't read the comics, I listen to a friend's podcast and he is a huge Marvel comics guy. And also my husband went super down the rabbit hole. He was listening to literally everything he could find, <laughs> like all of the YouTube, like crazy theories. And so like, he would talk to me about it. And so that, yeah, the, I was very aware of it. And I was convinced for a while that, that Ralph was probably going to be Mephisto and that this was how they were going to tie into Dr. Strange, which would have been cool. But I wasn't disappointed when he never showed up at all because I wasn't that wasn't like a theory I was ever very invested in. I didn't read any of the comics, you know, so I, you know, it, it, it was what it was like. I wasn't disappointed with, with it at all. I, I, I agree with Beth. I think it's an excellent point. Like it wouldn't have made sense in the end for the way that they did things with the show for it to have been an illusion the whole time. Like it, it just wouldn't have fit right. Everything would have felt weird. The only thing that I was having trouble trying to like figure out and maybe the course of this conversation will help me was um the existence of the kids like how how did they like really end up like coming about and th that's where I thought maybe like Mephisto might somehow come in maybe he was behind the illusion of the children because there's no way she could have like literally had children with vision so no, I, no, 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 that, no. she created them they, yeah, they were okay. they, her powers are so much more powerful than anyone realized in, in in the Avengers series until now. Okay, okay. So she creates. So she's the one who actually like created the children with. Yes. Name. Okay. Yeah. So that was that was the only place where I was like, well, I could see something going on with like a deal with him to like get the children that maybe she's suppressed or something like that. I could have seen that like as a tie-in, but um, was not disappointed at all when that never happened. Did you guys start like pinning up like different things and drawing, putting strings out to like the different like things? And this is how it's all connected. Board? <laughs> yeah. No, I would have driven myself crazy. <laughs> My husband had a mental one going on. It's like the you know beautiful mind slash me with Charlie from It's Always Sunny, like stuff going on. Um, and James, what about you? Uh, so. I didn't become aware of the whole Mephisto thing until I want to say almost the end of the show. I want to uh, right around the finale. Um, so, and so I was like, Mephisto, who the hell is this character? Uh, Cause again, I only had like a baseline from the comics of where things were. And so I didn't remember like reading about it and I was like, okay, so I hit the internet of course. And I was like, Oh, this is who Mephisto is. Um, I never thought that, yeah, like in, 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 in agreement, like I, I think the way that they did this was just very, very clever in, in, in the, in, in what the quote unquote illusion is and what brings it on. Um, I think it makes the message that they were trying to deliver in the show way more powerful than, oh, it's just like a supervillain powered kind of thing. Um, that feel, that would have felt, I don't know, in hindsight now looking at it and thinking about that very manipulative of um and, and undermining of everything that they like put into this um now could i see this being a villain somewhere down the road maybe um with the way that they set up a few things and whatnot um sure 
why not? I mean, it's the Marvel universe. Anything is possible. If if Coulson can come back alive, <laughs> who knows how many times anything is possible. Well, you can put a little asterisks on that then. <laughs> well, yeah, and again, that's one of those things that gets into the Feige uh, versus Loeb debate on what actually is considered canon in the MCU. And is Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. considered canon within the MCU? And we don't know yet you know, whether it will be. Um, although, there is a there is a note on that we're going to have in this show. But, um, yeah, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, yeah, even knowing who Mephisto is and everything. Again, when has the MCU ever done something just like they did it in the comics? I mean, this is the thing that got me, like, really, like, why are people so obsessed with this? Because it's like, they're never going to be like, yes, we're taking this limited series and we're just going to, like, translate it, like, completely onto the TV screen. So you'll be completely unsurprised when you watch it yourself <laughs> right. because you know right. the entire story. Right. And so, yeah, uh, I mean, and and, and I, I forget the name of the showrunner. Her name is uh, Jack something. Um, uh, uh, but she said, like, we already had a villain, Wanda. You know, like she was the villain of the story, you know, in a way. And so it's like we didn't need to, like, you know, pull in another character. It's like, yeah, Agatha's kind of also a villain, but like, but she's not like sort of like this overarching like force within it. She's really only the villain at the very end. So, you know, it's, it's, yeah, I, 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 I kind of shook my head because I mean, if you're going to get upset about WandaVision, then you should be getting upset at a lot of these movies because none of them have gone, you know, the way the comics did in a lot of different ways. And like, none of them are like, Oh yeah, if you just pull out these issues, then this movie is that, you know, I mean, Infinity War is another great example. That is not at all like Infinity Gauntlet or Infinity War in the comics. Um, and that, frankly, Bob, I find that so boring. If I could just go to a comic series, read that through, and then know the entire plot of a movie, there would be no surprise. What's the point? Mm -hmm. There's no creative license being taken at all. Yeah, and the other one that people were kind of obsessing over was, you know, at the end of House of M when Wanda says no more mutants, and they were like, but we're going to reverse it in the MCU version. At the end of this, she's going to see say something like, yes, more mutants. And like suddenly mutants are going to pop up everywhere. And I'm like, what? What does that have to do with anything? Suddenly she became the Oprah of mutants. Uh, uh, right. It's like <laughs> no one's even said the word mutant about Wanda. And in fact, the con well, without getting too deep into it, back when Marvel was trying to devalue the properties that Fox had, so they're trying to devalue the Fantastic Four and X-Men. They basically said that, oh, by the way, even though we thought forever that Wanda and Pietro are mutants, actually they're not. So I'm still unconvinced that even if they introduce mutants into the MCU, that they're going to say like, oh yeah, Wanda is a mutant. I think that they're going to leave her as something else, you know, because of her exposure to the Mind Stone and everything else. And they're never going to, they're never going to make her Magneto's daughter. Because again, that's one of those things that when the comics said they're not mutants, it was like, oh yeah, Magneto's not your father. You know, so again, their status as far as that's concerned is kind of iffy that's even in the comics. Well, yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> that was so dumb and they only did it because they wanted to devalue the X-Men. So they suddenly started revealing that a lot of people that were mutants aren't really mutants. So they could use them in the Avengers and not in the X-Men. And then they were like, you know, they were trying to basically like keep, you know, lower the value of the property so that they could buy it. 
You know, so, <laughs> um, and that's why they canceled Fantastic Four and a lot of the other stuff that was happening at the time. But now that they've reacquired Fox, who knows? Like, if they're going to be like, oh, yeah, actually, all these characters are mutants and Magneto is their father and, you know, all that. So I don't know. So petty. Yeah, no, it was. It was very petty. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, um, yeah, I, I, again, people want the mutants right away. And if we've learned anything from Kevin Feige, it is that he plays a long game. And that he is going to lay it out in a way that it makes sense. And I don't think he's going to do any of these knee-jerk things where suddenly we're just awash in mutants. Especially not parallel universe mutants from the Fox movies that just, like, cross over. You know? Because yeah. <laughs> that makes it even more confusing. Because then it's like, oh, well, these guys aren't from our universe. But now they're here. And the whole idea of X-Men is it can be anyone, like your neighbor could actually be a mutant and you don't know it, but these are actually characters that have come from another universe and we don't actually have mutants in our own universe. Like, like you know, anyway, it raises all kinds of issues. Um, but, uh, and honestly, I don't want the first class continuity as part of Marvel anyway. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, leave it there. yeah, I'm not a big fan of the first class series anyway, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, although I did like Days of Future Past, but that kind of combines the two. Yeah, listeners, you know where to hit send my hate mail. Right. <laughs> I bring it. Bring it. Um, so, so yeah, let's talk about Wanda and Vision. Um, let me focus on Wanda first. Um, you know, so I mean, again, this was a story that's about moving Wanda's character forward. And and, and here's the here, here's the other thing I kind of want to say about these controversies. Remember these Disney TV shows are kind of like extra. Like they already had their movie plan and they had already had their movie plan mapped out. Disney Plus is kind of a thing that suddenly created an opportunity. So they're seeing places where they can create connective tissue and use characters that weren't gonna be big in the movies for a while. But again, this is why we're not gonna see major things introduced in these TV series, at least these early ones, is because this is just like, oh, instead of skipping to Wanda being in Doctor Strange 2, now we have this opportunity to like tell a story that kind of bridges the gap between Endgame and Doctor Strange 2. So that's another reason why, you know, I think people were way off base because they're not even like looking at this from the production side and how these things even came about. Because this is this is all stuff that kind of happened kind of fast, and Disney's even accelerating it because of COVID and they're losing their amusement park revenue. And so they're trying to do even more with the streaming service than they'd even planned to do originally. Even though WandaVision was one of the early ones they announced. Um, but, but, but again, that's, that's kind of my point. It's like, don't expect too much out of these TV shows from a, like, this is the next big event kind of stuff. But, um, so, so, but yeah, this is the thing that moves Wanda's story forward. And, you know, we kind of already touched on the fact that it's a story about grief. Um, but uh, let's start with you this time, James. What did you think about sort of Wanda's story in this and her arc from, you know, I've heard this sort of described as the five stages of grief in this show, you know? And, and so, you know, from that standpoint, you know, like, what do you think about how, how you know, they, they've handled that? Um, I honestly think they handled it really well. Um, as somebody who very like real recently in the last like couple of years, like lost somebody really close to me, um, man, like this, the realization of the story that they were telling and yeah, like those stages of grief where, um, you know, kind of where the show starts and how that evolves through all those episodes. 
because we do we see her like go through anger and it's not just and like her grief is so paramount like it's it's one of those where it's it's the very thing like i i i I had a problem with when i was a younger person which was like you know when you bottle it up when you just bottle it up eventually that bottle is going to get too full and that cork's going to pop there's no there's no and if or but about it it will happen um and so just seeing like all the things that all like all that tragedy in her life that she's never really fully been dealing with. Like she's never really, uh, 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 you know, confronted fully. Um, and the fact that like this, this world was yet another escape. Like this was another way for her to, to just push it away and ignore it. Um, I thought was just so creative because it, I, I can, I can, I can run with that theme myself where I, I can say, I, I can't say that I haven't been in a position where I wish I could have done just that, where I could have just created my own world where the people I care about are still here. And, um, you know, I, I and, and the things that have happened in my life haven't happened. Like who hasn't wanted to create that kind of thing, especially if you're somebody who like has struggled through your life with like relationships or, um, you know, keeping friends or being an outcast in society or high school, things like that. So, I mean, there were just so many things I think they wrote really well in the grief semblance of this, that anybody who's a human being and not a total sociopath (laughs) can absolutely relate to and go, I've been there. I feel, I, I know what she's feeling to a certain degree, maybe not to the full extent, but definitely to a certain degree, I, I get this character and I get what she's going through. Okay. And uh, Jess? Yeah, no, I agree. I felt it was extremely relatable. And I mean, who wouldn't want the chance to have, you know, one more hour, one more day, you know, with that person that you've lost? I mean, especially if it's like a sudden loss or, you know, and especially considering like the trauma that Wanda went through and, you know, how, you know, how she kills Vision and then is forced to watch Thanos kill Vision and just the way that that all came about and that is just so like incredibly traumatic that, you know, I, it made complete sense to me that she just kind of like has a breakdown and that this is because of all of like this like pent up like power and grief and everything just sort of kind of comes together and creates this world um and it, you know I think maybe at first she wasn't quite 100 percent aware of exactly what she was doing even though she you know she was doing it she was pulling the strings the whole time which for a while they had me questioning I was like you know is Wanda really doing all of this but uh when you kind of tie it back into the amount of loss and trauma that she experienced and that how she was working through it and this was her way of like working through it I I thought it made a lot of sense I enjoyed it a lot um I loved that you know she was kind of the villain of her own series I thought it was pretty great this is kind of what I wanted to get into earlier we were talking about uh, Mephisto where it doesn't make sense for her to be a victim or being played as the victim with this illusion it's that she this world that she's created is like a knee-jerk reflex to the grief that she's experienced and this loss and the the steps that she's taken inside the world really reflect her her mental state and as everything progresses you can see how she's dealing with that grief and i i I was going through grief at the end of the series for sure (laughs) because as a parent and you see that you i mean you've created these children and then you realize they're not real. I mean, how do you how do you react to that? Of course, you didn't want to let it go. Yeah. So yeah. 
Yeah, no, I, I think that I think it was the eighth episode, the next to last one, where they sort of went back through Wanda's memories and sort of connected the dots was like a really important episode here. Just because, you know, we, we, you know, we're aware she joined the Avengers that she accidentally, you know, killed a bunch of people when she tried to move the bomb and it didn't quite move far enough and it blew up that apartment building and whatever and you know a bunch of people died and and you know we knew she had grief from that but like going back and stepping back through and reminding us that yeah her parents were killed by stark weapons you know and and going through that again and then she was kind of locked up and experimented on for a while and then she went through that grief you know losing her brother and all of that and, and sort of connecting the dots and showing that this is someone who has known nothing but loss, you know, her entire life. Every time she thinks she has something, it gets taken from her. And then with Vision, that was kind of like the last straw. And then somehow she gets like the, the plot that he bought, like the deed to the plot or whatever. And it's just like, he bought us this plot of land where we were supposed to build a house and he's not here. You know, and then she loses it basically when she goes there and she she goes into full denial. And because she is so powerful, she is actually able to externalize that denial and make it a world of denial um, where he's there with her and they can have their happy sitcom. Because that was the other thing that was throwing me for a loop because I was like, I was pretty sure from the beginning it was her. I was like, I don't think they're going to make it like an external thing like Mephisto. And I know from you know, the comics that, you know, eventually they did reveal that she's powerful enough to basically create her own reality. And so I was like, so I think it is her doing it, but why sitcoms when she's from Eastern Europe? You know, like that seems sort of weird that it's based on American sitcoms until they showed like, no, like they actually used that as like a way of learning English. And, you know, they actually had like these DVDs. And so there, there, there were these shows that she watched. And then, you know, even again, when she was in the Avengers Mansion, she saw some sitcoms and things and stuff like that. So they, they did kind of, or I should say the Avengers compound. That's my comic showing where they live in, a, <laughs> in one of Tony's spare mansions instead of in, a, in the compound in the movies. Um, but uh, um, but uh, yeah, so I mean, I was glad that they connected all those dots and made it like a really character-driven piece rather than this thing about, you know, like, oh, someone's tricking her or whatever, because the emotional through line just isn't there. And in the end, she has to accept it. And that's, you know, again, we go from denial in the beginning to the acceptance after she tries bargaining and everything else. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's kind of, um, you know, I mean, it's kind of different. That was the thing that worried me the most watching it, knowing how it's supposed to end in the comics and being like, that's the one thing from the comics they need. Cause if she finds some way to like make this real and be like, Oh, now I can live happily with my husband and my kids and everything. I was like, that's going to feel like so wrong that you know that she was like i didn't want a happy ending and i was so worried they're going to be like well because it's massive you know we want mass appeal we have to give her a happy ending and it's like no no they didn't she has to accept the reality of things eventually and uh and so it all goes away and now she has to deal with that grief um mm -hmm. you know so it's 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 dark and it's but again i mean I, I think that that's going to make for more compelling storytelling as we move forward with her character um, so, so here's my question to you guys about Wanda. So she's dealing with grief, but if somebody's dealing with grief and they take a bunch of people hostage, 
you know, we would normally say that person deserves to be locked up despite the fact that they were suffering from grief or whatever, you know, like that's not, you know, that's not something that should be allowed in a civil society. Um, obviously, Wanda is extremely powerful, and uh, that is probably going to also create some issues moving forward that, you know, the government's going to get worried again about superpowered individuals. But, you know, putting that aside, do you believe that Wanda should be punished? Did she get off, you know, of, of, of her deserved punishment by, you know, just being able to leave? Um, so let's start with you t- this time, Jess. Oh, that's a good question. And not one I'd actually thought of before. <laughs> Do I think she should be punished? Oh, I mean, I agree with your perspective on it. I mean, if this were happening in everyday society and not in like my superhero comic world, absolutely. Like, you know, they, they need to face some form of justice. And if, you know, the, the grief has proved too much and they're mentally not there, then there's different steps you can take to like properly address that. Um, I mean, I definitely think she needs help. She's at the very least probably suffering from PTSD like her entire life. But should that excuse her behavior? Probably not. But what are they going to really do about it? (laughs) Yeah, that's a separate issue. I'm asking Justin because, yes, I agree. She is incredibly powerful and would need to like basically surrender herself, um, you know, for for them to take her in. I mean, cause she's, you see at the end, she's, she's working through her stuff, which was ridiculously cool. I don't know if you have plans to get into the last scene or not, but, um, where, you know, you get to like, see her working through stuff. So I, I loved all of that, but, and she's clearly kind of secluded. So I would say she's not really run away, but she's kind of off in isolation so that maybe people can't find her because there probably should be some sort of reckoning i don't know what that should be or how she should get around it or out of it maybe they'll bring that into dr strange too i don't know yeah and and that's the thing the story isn't over and so i know people have an issue with that like it's like okay the story isn't over yet so we'll see how things end up for wanda but but yeah so james what do you think should wanda be punished or is the fact that she's going gone through this grief is that sort of a you know like as long as she doesn't do it again as long as she works through it it's it's like something she doesn't need to you know be punished for yeah no so i I totally get into this kind of stuff with shows where uh, I, I get into that cerebral headspace and I'm like, but wait, didn't she, didn't she just take away a bunch of people's bodily autonomy? Like, didn't she just like totally violate right. like, and remember, all like, kinds like the of people stuff? on the edges that weren't important to the story she was telling, like they just like yeah. were frozen. Like, like the one woman's like, please just let my daughter out of her room. You know, she's been <laughs> stuck in her room for months. It's like, <laughs> I was like, oh my God, Wanda, what have you done? <laughs> Because yeah, point, like anywhere else, it's like arm going back and forth, trying to connect the decorations, and she couldn't quite make it. She just kept right, and it's just like a single her. tear. And I was like, <laughs> "Oh, what are you doing to people? This is horrible." Um, but and, and that's God, just still like amazing writing to like institute. Like we as the audience are not aware of that until they make us aware of that, and then we're like, "Oh my God, what she's doing is terrible. <laughs> Absolutely, like this has to end somehow." <laughs> Um, how, funny how do you save these until people? It isn't, you know? I know, like, oh, I know. It's so dark. it is. It is a hard question um, because, yeah, it's like in 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 the real world of of law and order, it would be like, yeah, no, there's got to be a punishment. But it, it does stand the point of like everybody's seen how powerful she is. Like all of the people that are here are very aware of it now. Um, 
so yeah, it's like, what do you do? What do you, what do you, what are you going to do? You're going to stop her. And it's like you said, short of her turning herself in, there really isn't anything, but yeah, it was just like, I, I looked at my wife by that ending and, they, and she just like walks away. And I was like, <laughs> but they're like, nobody's going to be like, you're a jerk. Like no, <laughs> nothing, just nothing. Okay. Um, so yeah, I was, I was uh, just, again, like, but that's the case with like any of these superheroes. It's like, I was just thinking about this. Um, I know it's a little bit off, but I was watching like uh, an episode of Superman and Lois. And I just realized I was like, Superman breaks a lot of public property. Yeah. Like he's just going through walls. Who oh, pays oh, for I, that? I talk about this all the time. And the fact that like these superheroes like damage so much stuff and they don't think about the poor people oh, yeah. who have to well, live even... in these homes or like do stuff afterwards. That it's like, is their insurance going to cover it? Probably. Yeah. Probably well, not. Well, so that means they've got to pay town. for these repairs and everything. Because, like, this poor town was already really run down. Like, it looked like whatever industry used to exist there no longer exists. These people probably drive an hour or whatever out of their way for job for most jobs. Um, you know, like, it's not a town that's like, yay, everything's great. Like, it ends up being in her image of things. And so it's like, then she just leaves and all these people are, like, left with what she did to them. Their town is still back in whatever slump hole it was. And and on top of it, they blew up and broke a bunch of stuff in their already crappy little town. So now it's like they're just stuck with the bill. And it's just like, I wouldn't be surprised if all of those people were just like anti-superheroes forever and ever. Just like, nope, we don't need them. But yeah, like I don't. I think in the degree of how they wrote this to get back to the question is... I think her grief is that punishment and I don't think she gets to walk away from the grief. That's the reality of it is she carries her grief with her and she will always carry it with her to a certain degree. She needs help. Like she does need like therapy on a huge level to work through her problems, but that's the reality of anybody who has any kind of problem. You don't get to just walk away from it. You don't get to set it on the table and walk out of the house and it's just not your problem anymore you always carry it with you. And that that is kind of, I think, her her overarching punishment forever is she'll have to she'll have to live with what she did to those people. She has to live with the choices that she's made. She has to live with the people she's lost. Like she has to she has to carry forward with all of that. And that in and of itself is its own monumental challenge. Yeah, they are in desperate need in the MCU of establishing Doc Samson as a character because they need a psychiatrist. They need the superhero psychiatrist. And for those who don't know, uh, Doc Samson was Bruce Banner's psychiatrist who accidentally got exposed to gamma radiation and basically gained superpowers. But he basically becomes like the psychiatrist for superheroes. Like that's his like specialization. And and, and it is. And I mean, the, the, the most interesting writing with Doc Samson, like you can really get into deep dives about what this lifestyle actually does to people and how their powers affect them you know, on the psychological level and like, you know, like, like one of the most interesting ones was, was what I always remember reading where, where he's uh, talking with Pietro Quicksilver. And, and that's when they established that the reason that he's such an arrogant jerk is because the world moves in slow motion to him. Like, like, even though he can slow himself down so that he can interact with people like to him, it's like moving really slow. He's got to like concentrate on it 
you know, all the time. And it frustrates and angers him to move slowly for everybody else. And once you realize that's the way his powers work, that it isn't something that he just speeds himself up. When he's interacting with people, he's having to force himself into slow motion. But it's like, oh my God, so much makes sense about this character. And and that's what's brilliant about Doc Sam. So anyway, I'm just saying, they, they need the superhero psychiatrist in the MCU because Wanda, I think, is just one of many characters who are in need of therapy. <laughs> Right, especially with the blip. Um, so, uh, so Beth, what do you think about Wanda? Like, did she? Did, do you do you think that she uh, got off scot free, or do you think that she deserves some kind of punishment, and, or not, or what? I'm glad you didn't go with me first because I was really struggling to find a good answer for this. But James, mm-hmm. I think, hit it right on the head. Where like her punishment is ever present, and while it's true that no- there's nothing that society can do to punish her. She's, she's gone through so much, she's caused so much pain, and she is remorseful. And that remorse is her punishment. If she were a complete psychopath, then she wouldn't have that remorse. And then, yeah, someone would have to step in and, sit and, and put her down. But because she still has that conscience and all the things that she's lost, I mean, even her childhood innocence was gone, was, was taken from her when her parents were killed, and then her brother was killed. Like, all of these, just, there's so much that she's dealing with, and there. I don't think it's possible to punish her more than she already has been. Okay. Yeah. Now, say Wanda didn't have superpowers and she took a bunch of people hostage with a gun in a room. Would you feel the same way about it? See, that's why I knew you were going next. <laughs> that's why I couldn't answer this well. All right. No, I mean... Uh... This is what I think is interesting about superheroes, and I love having this stuff. It's why X-Men is one of my you know, primary superhero fandoms, is because of this issue of when people are superpowered and their issues can become these big things because if you just have a bad day, you can cause all sorts of grief for other people that just a regular person can't do. You know, like, and it's and it's effortless for you. It's not like, you know, because even somebody who takes a gun and takes a bunch of people hostage, there's a lot of effort involved in that. If you can just, like, wake up one day and just be angry and then, like, you just, like, blow up somebody's head because it's, like, an almost automatic thing. Like, you think anger and somebody's head explodes. <laughs> you know, like, like what, what is that? So, you, you know, you say, like, people who are against mutants are bigots, but at the same time, it's like, these pieces like some of these mutants have the power to like just like make your head explode <laughs> so it's like you know it's, it's a reasonable question about like how people react to that like like there would be a lot of fear out there because of some of the ways these powers work now what gets ridiculous is when people are afraid of mutants that like have green skin or whatever and that's the extent of their power and it's like well that doesn't do anything that's not dangerous but i understand sometimes when they talk about like these mutants that are like really powerful and like why there's a lot of fear and it creates these complicated questions so i don't know the answer to this question about wanda and i don't know what's even reasonable because of the level of her power but i think that the the idea the discussion that it creates is the part that's very interesting i mean i would say that she deserves something you know like some sort of restraint or at least being like made to go to therapy or something but who's going to do that who's going to implement that can captain marvel restrain wanda maybe maybe not you know so and that's like probably the most powerful other character in the avengers like pantheon right now and so it's like i'm not sure even captain marvel could restrain uh, wanda so then that's a problem, you know? So how do you make her do something? 
So that's, that's I think the real issue. difference in your illustration between someone who's taking a gun and holding a town hostage and Wanda holding the town hostage is that for is that in Wanda's case it was completely unintentional. Right. Well, that's what but I was saying. To take a gun and right. take a town hostage. It's effortless for her, and that's yeah. why I was saying that's what makes it. So I was being devil's advocate by creating the other analogy because, like I said, that actually creates effort. Like you need effort to like take God, the gun so and take somebody. <laughs> Wait, but was it like unintentional though? Because at at one point, like you when she confronts when everyone confronts her in the square, she's like, "But I've taken care of you. Like I've made you happy." And they're like, "No, you're pushing your pain and your grief like onto us." Oh, I think at some point she became. I think in the originally it was unintentional, but she became aware, right, especially true. when Vision okay. starts questioning it. She became aware, and then she just didn't want to let it go. It's like, I have the family I wanted and I don't want to let it go. And that became, you know, a point where she's definitely taking it. I mean, even when the sword is like breaking in, at that point, she had to be aware. True. But I'm not sure she was aware like way before, like like when they were doing the original, you know, Dick Van Dyke show like style thing that that what was happening. Um. Because she seemed very confused about it at some points, too, where, again, I think it was a sort of self-denial also of she wanted her illusion to be real so badly that she also sort of, like, got into, like, psychologically, like, just kind of forgot, you know, like, deliberately forgot um, until things started impinging on it. Um, but let's talk about vision. And, and I, I mean... Honestly, and, and the problem is we only have limited time to talk about all these characters because I mean we didn't even talk about like how great a job Elizabeth Olsen did with that you know like, people are saying like you know she deserves an Emmy you know kind of thing like she she deserves or an Oscar whatever was the TV one I always get confused but you know like, she deserves an award for her acting in this and um, and you know uh, and so I just wanted to bring that up also that you know I mean her performance was also like excellent in this um, but let's talk about Vision. And uh, and Paul Bettany and Beth, why don't, why don't you start us off with Vision? And uh, you know, what do you think about Vision in this show? And what do you think about the reveal of the White Vision with you having absolutely no idea what's even going on? I was on? so confused there, <laughs> so very very confused. Yeah. Like for the for from the majority of the show, I I like I'm sure so many others thought that the Vision in Wanda's delusion was really his corpse just walking around. Because there's a blip moment where she sees like the hole in his face as if that's the reality breaking down and that's what's actually there. But no, she just actually made him out of nothing. Yeah, yeah, the nightmare fuel, you should say, of that moment when she yeah. sees Vision with the hole in his face. It's just like, ah, you know, you're in like happy sitcom and suddenly, ah. yeah. Something strange is afoot ahead. I don't, I don't know where that went. I'm sorry. Okay. But, but yeah, so, so yeah, we thought that, yeah, because I mean, I thought that too. Um, yeah. But, yeah. And so in that light, it makes sense that he wouldn't have any memories of his previous existence because his previous existence wasn't a thing. He literally came into being for Wanda. So that was hard for me to process. A lot of this show was hard to process now that I'm thinking about it. Is this actually a grief session? <laughs> what? I feel like I need to process. Oh. <laughs> uh. What is podcast if not audio enduring? <laughs> oh, gosh. Everyone's for there, There's that line about, like, what is grief if not love enduring? Yeah. So I was just ripping That's off perfect. that. 
But yeah, just his, his whole performance as Vision without these old memories, I mean, it, it was so well done and you can really feel like he, he feels so trapped. He can't even leave. The time he tried to leave, he disintegrated practically. So yeah, of course he's got questions. <laughs> yeah. And so what do you think about the confrontation with the white vision? That's so messed up. <laughs> what, what was that, that thing? The, the ship of Theseus? ship of Theseus. I've yeah. never heard that before because I live under a rock. And I just sat at the screen like slack jawed and a little bit of drool I think might have been coming out because I was just so confused. <laughs> okay. It was a pretty great analogy, I will say. I hadn't heard that before either. Uh, so weird. Yeah, I know I've heard it somewhere before, but I can't tell you where I heard it before. But yeah, but the idea of, you know, what if, you know, you completely replaced all the timbers and something, is it still that thing or is it something different? You know, is an interesting, like, sort of like logic puzzle, kind of like philosophical slash logic. I don't you know, like that thing. stuff. <laughs> I really, I it makes stuff. my head hurt. But isn't it great, Beth, how when you think, like, you've never heard something before, and then suddenly after you hear it, you hear it a dozen places, because then Black Lightning referenced the ship of Theseus, yes. like, a week or two later. So. And it was like, wait, really? wait, what? Right. <laughs> Interesting. Like, I remember when I was young, it was the phrase, in the zone. I never heard the phrase, in the zone. And then suddenly in Deep Space Nine, they used it. And I was like, I've never heard that before, but they're using it like it's like a common expression. I'm like, it's kind of interesting. And then suddenly I heard in the zone everywhere. And like now it's something I hear all the time, but I don't know how I went like 13 or 14 years of my life and never heard the phrase in the zone, but then suddenly <laughs> I heard it everywhere. So, um, but yeah, so uh, James, what do you think about all the stuff going on with the vision? Uh, I love Paul Bettany as vision. I've been a big fan of Paul Bettany for years. Like, I'll, like no matter how much people have like looked at some of his movies and they're like, Ugh. I'm like, but it's Paul Bettany and he's so good. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, no, I in the interview that you heard was that where he talked about how like um, John Favreau called him up and said like he wanted the most bland and uninteresting voice and that's why he was calling him to play Jarvis. No, no. He's like, that's but so that's great, but that's like what he thought of me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he, uh, so, I mean, Vision, Vision's on an interesting journey in this because this Vision thinks he is the Vision, like for all intents and purposes, yet he's hung up because he's like, there's this space of history I don't know anything about. Like, I don't remember. I can't remember, like no matter how hard I try, it's a little weird. Um, but then he'd always just like come back to what's happening in the present in the show that they were doing. And um, I thought it was really interesting uh, that he goes through this evolution and it's these little things, these little tiny nuggets that we as the audience see, vision sees at, at the same time that we do. And we're like, wait, something's off. I'm with this guy, something doesn't make sense. Um, you know, that first moment that he, he touches the guy in the office and that guy like becomes cognizant. He's like, oh my God, please, please help me. And he just starts like freaking out. And it, it, and again, we're just on that journey with vision. Like I, as much as like, I love the story with Wanda, I like being along for the ride, just like vision is like, we're all in the same seat he's, he's sitting in, um, 
his yeah desire to escape to find people to help like something's wrong here we need help um it was all very vision so i loved i loved that fight between him and white vision because initially it was like oh superhero fight um you know they're gonna and they're just lasering at each other and smashing into things and destroying lots and lots of public property and but to that point and this is one of the things that's great about this being a marvel studios production on disney plus we're seeing movie level budgets on this TV oh, yeah. show. Oh, yeah. Like oh, that, yeah. that looked good. Like the whole idea of they can both phase. And so they're both fighting and also like moving through things and moving through each other and all that kind of stuff. Like visually, that was like really awesome. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't, you know, like levels of CW the Flash where I just imagine like <laughs> Grant Gustin is just every time they're like, We need you to run fast, it's like <laughs> <laughs> and they just yeah. add the effects. And I'm like, Yeah, that's what's happening. No, this was fantastic. Um, I loved the moment where he talks the theory of the ship of Theseus because I love philosophy. I love talking philosophy um, because it's just it's engaging for me. Um, and so I uh, I loved where he's talking about that whole concept of like, but if you remove the wood and you replace the damaged wood, is it still a ship of Theseus? And they're just going back and forth because like they're they're both aware in, in it beings like this one just doesn't know any of its past and this one knows all of what it's currently lived and how it feels but none of its past um like it you know it knows certain bits and yeah that moment of like unlocking the knowledge from the original version essentially where he's like i know all of the things that have happened but he doesn't have an emotional bond as far as we can tell to it he just has the knowledge of its presence um and then that final resolution of like but if all the damaged wood is replaced by theseus it's still the ship of theseus and i was just like and, and like that just the the coming together of the two minds at that point where it's just like no that makes sense so now it's just got me all kinds of curious about like what the future of vision is i was just like i i want to know take me on that ride i don't care if it's in a tv show movie like i want to go on that ride i want to see what they're going to do with it my suspicion is we will see the white vision in black panther 2 because i think he's going to go to wakanda and visit with shuri and all that kind of she almost finished that process. I've been I've been hanging on to that for so long now where I'm like, but she was almost there. She had almost like figured out the mapping. They were almost there. What are they going to do with that? Because she's a scientist. She's not going to throw that away. That's my suspicion of where we're going to see him pop up. But it could be wrong. I'm not going to get bent out of shape if he doesn't show up <laughs> in Black Panther 2. But that's that's my suspicion of the of the next one. I know some people were mad that like we didn't get more with him or whatever. But again, it had nothing to do with the story of Wanda and her vision. <laughs> you know, they established it's that true. there was another vision, but it wasn't her vision. Because yeah. uh, for people who don't know this, in the comics when the white basically the white vision very much like what they depicted he has all the memories but he has no emotion like that part like of him is not developed or whatever so it's not like 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 even if wanda meets him there won't be that relationship because he acts like a robot like he is but he he has knowledge of everything that vision did but he doesn't have any like knowledge of why he acted in any emotional ways he doesn't understand the why he just knows the facts of what happened 
though. I so badly wanted those two to do the Dragon Ball Z fusion dance. <laughs> and it didn't happen. <laughs> Merge into one vision. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, Just for the record. Yeah. Well, since they can both phase, I mean, I guess theoretically they could have occupied the same space. Yeah. But if they if they do the fusion them. dance and they fuse, do they still just look like Vision, or do they look like something else? He'll be pastel. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like an Easter egg. <laughs> Pretty much. All right, so Jess, what do you think about Vision in this? Ooh, um, I mean, we've covered a lot of it, but yeah, I enjoyed the story overall, and I was kind of along for the ride. I'm not gonna lie, part of me is a little disappointed that the version of vision that we got did have to die essentially but i get it like i mean i totally understand like the way it was set up and the way he came about and it, i mean to your point there's no way the story was going to get a happy ending i mean it just really couldn't so <laughs> um but yeah it was it was really good it was really well done i love paul bettany and i think he just kind of knocked it out of the park um with everything that was done and I, I really want to see more of White Vision. Like, I want to know, like, what's going to go on with him. If there's a way he can, like, evolve or something. Or just, at least he's got all the knowledge. I don't know. I'm, I'm very curious to see if, if we can get some more from him at some point in the future. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure there are plans. You know, even if it's not Black Panther 2, I'm sure there are plans <laughs> for him to show up elsewhere. And it's kind of interesting because with Robert Downey Jr. leaving, Paul Bettany is actually the like longest-running MCU star, you oh, know, wow. because he's been playing Jarvis since the original Iron Man. So he's he's been with it from the beginning. So it's kind of it's kind of neat when you think about it that way. Um, I, I really loved it. I love the fact that the fight turned into a non- you know, uh, a non-violent discussion. And I thought that was so perfect for it being the vision and the vision. But of course, they're going to solve things rationally, right? And uh, and I love that. I mean, it's the same way I love the, uh, the resolution on Doctor Strange. And sometimes it's great, like, when you don't have the slugfest to be the, you know, I want my violence in these shows, but it doesn't have to be the end point of every single one, you know, like sometimes, sometimes you just need the barter. Oh, right. Something, right. Yeah. Sometimes you just need to have some other kind of like actual thing for the end point. And so like the rational discussion I thought between the two of them was like a great way of ending it. And, and I really love the idea that even though Wanda's vision is gone, we still have the vision. And so uh, again, like just said, you know, evolution of the character and the comics eventually he did develop emotions also so again like all that stuff can happen you know but how is it going to you know how's it going to take place in the mcu and how are they going to use it now will the interactions change because of it and stuff like that so it'll be interesting to see how all that goes but yeah to james's point also paul bettany like kills like both elizabeth olsen and, and paul bettany were just killing it in this and you know, for a guy that's never done sitcoms before, like he has really great comic timing. Like he's got, he's got that skill set. He even talked about how much he enjoyed it in in one of the interviews, and talked about how like maybe this is what I should have been doing all along in sitcoms <laughs> because of how much he enjoyed. He enjoyed like having like the direct feedback from the live studio audience. You know, which is something you don't get when you're doing films. You know, like. You just shoot it, and who knows how the people are going to let take it. Because that, that, there's that exchange of energy between right. the performer and the, the audience. Right. More more theater, more okay. like theater than, uh, yeah. than, than a film. Um, but and then, of course, uh, Agatha. Um, you know, uh, 
who um you know sort of emerged as the as as a third important character you know third probably most important character in the series uh i know it took some people by surprise i had my suspicions um again Which you nicely of, kept to yourself i did keep it to myself um, i would know who it was anyway right <laughs> <laughs> but um so, Beth, what do you think about Agatha and how it was her all along? Oh, she was so delightful. Oh, the, the nosy neighbor has always been a character that just always makes me chafe when watching a sitcom. But somehow Agatha just, she made it fun and light and airy. And she was like the foil for everything. As she was just wonderful. I, every single iteration of her was just perfect and then you can see that she's slowly tilting towards the darkness like her interaction with the boys the twins that had me genuinely scared for a moment i found it interesting that vision the the android actually had the better instincts and was instantly suspicious of agatha wanting to do anything with the kids you know it was just like uh no we don't need any help <laughs> you know, you, you don't need to be around the kids, you know. Um, I kind of like that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so Jess, what do you think about Agatha? Oh, I loved her. I, I love Catherine Hahn. Oh, man, she's so good. But, like, I this was, this was one of the things that got spoiled for me early on, but not, like, intentionally. I mean, I told you my husband was diving down the rabbit hole on some of these theories. And, like, in episode two, he was like, it's it, you know this is it's Ag 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 Agatha Harkness that was yeah, her, Agatha that Harkness. was that was her actual name not she went by Agnes at first or something mm -hmm. I think yeah and so I was like uh okay I wasn't really like on board with it and then um the episode with the dog I was mm -hmm. like oh okay yeah nope I'm totally on this train now I am on on board for this theory. she killed Sparky too oh I know that's what I'm saying <laughs> right. I was like, she totally killed Sparky. <laughs> It's not 100% certain in that episode, but then when they give us the jingle, it's like, and she killed Sparky, too. Right. <laughs> I think that's my favorite meme that's gone around of Agatha. Yeah. <laughs> it's all the ones with the, and she did this, too. Anyways. Um, and it was done to the Adams Family tune, wasn't it? It was the Munsters. Oh, it was the Munsters. Right. I, that's what I mentioned at the time, because I'd watched the Munsters and you hadn't, so, yeah. Well, no, no, no. I've seen the Munsters, but I predominant. I watched the Adams Family more than the Munsters, and I think you were the reverse. Yeah, we're yeah. on that one. Yeah. High age difference. <laughs> I don't know that that one has to do that. Those were both 60s shows, so it's just, well, I think one was on Nick at Night and the other one was oh, I maybe, think maybe. Beth and I are the same age, or very close <laughs> <laughs> in age. We'll talk about that after the show. <laughs> we don't have to talk about it right now. Anyway, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I loved, I just loved the subtle change in her and like, you didn't at first, like, you know, she was kind of like playing into Wanda, like, oh, do you want me to play it this way? Okay. And so you didn't really like, at, at some point, like you kind of feel like she's almost like pulling the strings of Wanda, even though she's not really, she's trying to get to the bottom of everything. Cause she's kind of figured out who she is and she wants her power. And so I liked just the evolution of the character, how she went over the entire season series, however, you know, however this is, is being couched. Uh, I just thought that was fascinating and I really enjoyed the ride that they took me on. Yeah, I mean, she basically says at the end, though, what she's been trying to do is prod Wanda out of her denial and get her to like, so that, you know, to, to realize what's really happening so that she can have that conversation with her. Um, so, so, I mean, in a way, she was pulling some strings, 
but not like she was like the grand master of the whole universe she was just like trying to prompt wanda by like making like by acting like an actress like that do you want me to do it again do you want me to do another take or whatever again to show wanda this is all like a a, a non-reality so i'm acting like it's not reality and, and to try to force her out of it um and yeah, so james she, what i'm oh, sorry i was saying but she definitely thought that wanda intentionally like knew what she was doing whereas i agree with you in the beginning she definitely didn't and it took her till almost the end to figure out oh you have no clue who you are you have no clue how this power is like works like and then she comes oh you don't deserve this power so now i can take it and then mm. loved i loved that whole progression it was great and james what do you think about agatha so uh i I I don't know. I was I was oh. I wasn't sure where I sat for the longest time because I just didn't know anything about why this lady was acting this way. I was just mm. like, there's there's something key because <laughs> a it's Catherine Hahn. Like she's not just tertiary. She's not like any of the other people in the town. Like this is Catherine Hahn. She has a purpose and a reason for being here, but I couldn't like put it together at all for the longest time. And like I came to the point where I was just like, I think she's like everybody else. I just think there's something there's something unique about her, but I don't think it's like villainous intent for the longest time. And my wife was the one who was suspicious the whole time. She was like, No, there's something not right about her. I know it. I know it. I don't know what it is, but I know it. And I was just like, okay. Um, and so, yeah, like I thought, I thought the unveiling was clever. Um, I love that because that's always the problem in a movie, right? A movie is we have an hour and a half to two hours to take X amount of characters and make them interact with each other and give you a little bit of background. So you understand personalities mostly, um, and motivations. And then we just kind of go from there. You don't really know any backstory. And so I love the fact that like, we get to go back into history because even I caught, um, I had caught word. I don't know how it was like a little minor thing. And I knew we were on the cusp of probably getting the reveal. Um, And I was and and somebody had mentioned Agatha and I was just like, who is Agatha? I don't know this character in the MCU. So I did like a quick like Google. I was just like, oh, okay, well, all right. Um, And once they like really kind of delved into that and it was just like, yeah, no, like one of the Salem witches. I love the way that they told the story and they, they gave you that background, a, a real background on the character. Um, the fact that she takes us, she's the one who instills the the journey with Wanda as far as going through Wanda's memories. Like again, that's a piece of a piece of the story we never had for Wanda. Like we knew what we were told. Like we knew, like this is what happened. You know, her parents died because of Stark weapons. Like we had that reality. We 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 had the knowledge. We didn't have the reality. And so, like, when she's walking her through these things, and she's like, no, no, we have to get to the bottom of this, and makes her relive these these different experiences that she thinks were key components to Wanda's power. Um, you know, I just, like, her being, like, a subtle narrator, as it were, I, th- I, I think is how I kind of started to associate her. Is she became a subtle narrator of a few different things that we weren't being told directly and then we get in the end. Um, and the fact that, yeah, for her, it's all a power grab. But it's power she doesn't even realize is what it is till they get to that resolution where she's like, oh, 
I know exactly what you are now. You're super dangerous. I want your power. Um, and it was just like, oh, okay. All right. Um, you know, the fact that these in that moment, it separates Wanda as not somebody who is primarily linked to an infinity stone. Cause that's all we, as the audience knew, that's what they had told us in the MCU is like her and her brother got their abilities from the stone period. There it is. End of discussion, not mutants powers from a stone. But part of me was like, well, but can you really transfer power permanently from a stone to an individual that they would reciprocate those abilities after the stone's destruction, or would it be bound to the stone in some way? Well, and the Captain fact that Marvel she... says that you can because in the MCU, Captain Marvel that's, got her powers. Uh, that's fair. Stone. That's fair. <laughs> so... um, but it was like so. Before we see any of that, though, where where she, you know, like she's unaffected by it, and she still has these powers, and they're still growing. Um, yeah, like it, it, it put, it put me in a better logical conclusion place for this character and her abilities. Um, and that was all because of Agatha, Agatha got us there. So I was just like, oh, so many things make so much more sense. And I can empathize with this character so much better than I used to. So, um, so this again, it gets back to where I think Feige has his genius and why they're doing so well at the MCU is they're the, the only time that I've ever felt like someone who's developing a comic property has always gotten right the things that are essential and discarded the rest and told their own story is the MCU. Because time and again, they take the things that are... Because a lot of times I'll see like in comic book movies where it's like, all right, you were like slavishly devoted to these things, but those weren't important. But then you ignored these things that were far more important. Like, you know, Superman doesn't snap people's necks. And you were like, nah, that's not important. We can snap people's necks. That's fine. Perfectly acceptable. This is another, <laughs> this is another example of the MCU <laughs> getting it right is Agatha. And, and that's the thing. Agatha Harkness was a character who started as a villain and later became more of like the morally ambivalent character um, that sometimes would help, sometimes wouldn't help. He eventually becomes the <laughs> Franklin Richards uh, 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 nanny, which is a weird, you know, thing. But again, it's one of those things of Franklin Richards is another character who can warp reality, and he's a kid, he's a toddler, and so it's like we need someone with a lot of power just to restrain him, and that becomes like Agatha Harkness's job for a while. Is you've got to restrain this uh, this nanny. toddler who can warp reality with his mind. Um, so. Um, uh but yeah so like and but the, the one of the most important things that agatha did in all of like the marvel history of comics is she's the one who taught wanda how to use magic because before then wanda who is what well, at least is she a mutant anyway she's born with a power <laughs> that already allowed her to affect probability but like it was too crazy and uncontrollable and so the magic actually helps her like utilize the power that she was already born with and allows her to like channel it in ways that are like structured and, and, and controllable. And so that's sort of like her role. So again, we didn't have to introduce mutancy or any of that kind of stuff. We just introduced the idea that Wanda's really powerful and somehow she needed to learn about magic. 
And so, and so they, that was the essential part of that. And that was the part that they did. Agatha, whilst not teaching her like teacher student by the process of what she was doing, taught Wanda how to use some magic. And I like the fact that in the end, Agatha is still there. And she even says like, you're going to need me. And Wanda says, I know where to find you. So she's a character that they could either bring back up again, or we could just assume that Wanda visits again, if she ever needs to learn more stuff or whatever and gets her to teach her more things. So anyway, the idea is still there. There is a way for Wanda to learn how to do all of this. Um, and, and I like that. And I like the fight. Um, honestly, I think that was the most interesting thing because through that whole thing, I thought it was going to be that super tired cliche that you've seen in so many movies, like even X-Men Dark Phoenix did it, of you want my power, take it. And when you like take the, like if you give them the power, they end up exploding because it's too much for them and then it reverts back to you kind of thing. And we've seen that done so many times. But instead, I love the fact that it was a complete misdirection. Like, I'm like, Wanda, why do you keep, like, giving her your power? And then I was like, oh, she was just, like, playing for time while she sets up the runes. And that was so perfect. And it was such a good reveal of they set something up that you kind of forget about, but then she uses it at the fight at the end. And I thought that that was so perfectly done uh, also. And I really loved that. So, um you know, that that was also really satisfying and I thought really well done from a writing standpoint. Now I have a question. Uh-oh. So, <laughs> well, I guess I have two questions mm. because one of the things I actually talked to on a panel about WandaVision and one of the things that everyone, like it seemed like I was the only one, at least the people who spoke up because there were six of us, like three or four people on that panel were like, yeah, like Agatha's so interesting because she's like, a good person that wanted Wanda's power so she could use it for like, for like good purposes. And I'm like, yeah, that's what Agatha tells Wanda is like, Hey, I should have this power because I know how to use it properly. But I don't think that she was like <laughs> altruistic. She wanted to be more powerful. She wanted to be the Sorcerer Supreme basically, yeah. you know, like that was her motivation. So I just curious in this group, <laughs> whatever those people are drinking they need to get out of that fountain of crack because that's insane okay. james <laughs> yeah did you get altruistic like, from her what no like okay. no okay jess no i'm just sitting here shaking my head like if i had joined you on that panel i would have been with you like no she was not a good person like they also thought that in the flashback like she accidentally killed all those people i'm like no, no. did you not see the creepy right. smile like come on right. her face like she was proud <laughs> she of what tricked she them did into basically doing that thing knowing she would drain their power yeah, like, she, she was she playing that like 100%. She was totally right. Just like, like she was like, trying yeah, to play like, Wanda. Right. You can see like how like, you know, because they were oppressing her and then she like accidentally killed them. And so you can see like how like she's been wronged all her life. And I'm like, what are you watching? Because that wasn't what I was watching at all. Like you really want her to be this character that she is in. <laughs> Okay, oh my good. gosh so i'm glad we're all on the same page here because that one like threw me for a real loop all right the other thing i wanted to talk about though because the thing we haven't mentioned with regard to agatha is she has the dark hold oh, which yes. you know last seen in in marvel's runaways and before that in agents of shield and that's the one thing where i was shocked because that's something coming out of a low thing you know a low production that was a marvel tv thing 
Uh, now it looks slightly different. It doesn't look exactly the same way it looked in Runaways and Agents of Shield, like the the cover. It looks still like the same kind of material, but it doesn't have Darkhold written across it and like you know like a sort of cursive script like it did in in Agents of Shield and Runaways. But the fact that they're even acknowledging the Darkhold makes me think that maybe things aren't as cut as dried. Of course, the Darkhold exists in the comics, so they can still just say, no, we're acknowledging that the Darkhold exists, but we're still not acknowledging Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. But that just sort of opened up to me like an interesting possibility that they might be sort of telegraphing that maybe they might pull in some more things from the Marvel TV side. So just kind of curious, like you guys' reaction, like when they pulled out the Darkhold, did you think like, oh my God, like they might be pulling in some Marvel TV stuff? So just like, did, did, did that thought strike you? It, not like immediately when I saw it, but I was like, but that's how I know of it was from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, I didn't really watch the Runaways, but yeah. So I was like, after the fact, I was like, oh, that would be interesting if they somehow like tied that all in. Just I love that season when they started tying things in with like the framework and all of that stuff. And I would love for some of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. folks to like have like cameos or, or something like an episode. I just think it would be so cool. I mean, at Coulson, I mean, he's canonized. So how do you take his offshoot and basically say it's not canon? I don't know. Anyways. Yeah, to me though, the emotional weight of having Coulson returned has already sailed because we oh, don't absolutely. have Steve and Tony anymore. When, to me, that was the thing. Like I kept saying like that should be like the resolution to civil war is like Coulson's the one that gets them together again because like they both, they both like, like the Avengers came together over Coulson's death and to find out Coulson is alive would be like the thing that should bring them back together. But like now we're missing so many of those original Avengers that it's almost like the Coulson being alive almost. I mean, I still wouldn't, wouldn't mind him coming back. I'm just saying like more narratively, I think it would have been really interesting to have Coulson like be shown to be alive, I think is kind of sailed on that. But yeah, any of them like, you know, Daisy or May or any of them, like it would be great Please to have wait. them. <laughs> yes, I know. That would be so great. But like the other, the only other thing like with the Dark Hall, I was like, because they definitely made that out to be that in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. that it was a book that like corrupted your mind. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I was like, I'm really interested to see more of how this really affects Wanda or maybe they're taking a different take on it. I mean, it is TV, a different TV show, so they could go their own way. I, I, have, I don't know anything about the comics in the Darkhold. So I don't know what it's like in the comics, but I also really want to see how that plays into Doctor Strange because where I kept expecting the dark hole to eventually pop up was Doctor Strange. Yeah, I, I suspect because it looks like those books we've seen in the Ancient Ones library. I suspect it's originally part of her collection was another one that got, you know, taken by somebody at some point. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, James, um, did, did like uh, the appearance of the dark hole did you think about that as being like maybe they're going to bring in some of the tv stuff i'll be honest until we just talked about it just now no uh, uh, <laughs> uh i i honestly didn't place it like when they mentioned the dark hole i was like dark hole why does that sound so familiar to me um and it wasn't until like <laughs> when you asked your question you're like oh it's an agent's of shield and i was like oh yeah that was a thing yeah okay uh <laughs> but it's been a minute Moreover, for me, actually, what it strung for me was that's where I made the connection with Mephisto because it technically is the Book of the Damned. True. And so I was like, so maybe because they've mentioned Mephisto, 
that there might be an attachment there um, that we see somewhere down the road, possibly. Um, but yeah, no, it, it is interesting because it is such a dangerous book. And I mean, no matter where, in what format, whether that's been in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., whether it's in the comics, whether it's, you know, here in the MCU now, like it everywhere it's talked about. It is it is one of the most dangerous spell books. Um, so, yeah, I'll be interested to see if it has any effect at all um, on her. Um, I really want to see a future interaction between Wanda and uh, Strange in which like that just casually gets mentioned. She's like, oh, yeah, but in the dark hold, he's like, wait, just back up on that one second uh what the dark hold <laughs> she's just like yeah i read it <laughs> and he's like wait that's a horrible idea <laughs> so, uh yeah the dark hold I... isn't good um there in, in the 90s there was a whole uh there was a comic series called the dark hold redeemers and basically the idea was the dark hold like all the pages had been ripped out and like scattered and so like everywhere a page of the dark hold turned up like bad and evil stuff started happening and so these people were out hunting all the pages so that they could put it back together again and so yeah like like the dark hold is is it's never good <laughs> you want it like right. locked up and sealed away somewhere like and so yeah i think the fact that wanda is reading it at the end is a very very bad thing um my money's on dr strange too well yeah no i mean we know she's going to be in dr strange too and i'm sure it's going to come up but yeah, yeah i mean the question is is wanda a villain in dr strange too whether intentional or not because the one thing That's we know I is for, I mean we know nightmare is going to be in doctor strange too who is the lord of dreams and she's hearing uh billy's voice in her head i have the suspicion nightmare is going to trick her into doing something very very bad and that's going to be what sets like doctor strange 2 in motion so um we'll I'm see with you. we'll see I'm but, with you. you can't catch a break right yeah <laughs> She did take an entire town hostage, though. Right. So, yeah. Um, Yeah, the only positive thing about the Darkhold that I'm aware of is that the spell to get rid of all vampires on Earth is in the Darkhold. But you die if you read it. But you get rid of all the vampires. So maybe it'll factor into Blade when they finally make that movie. So who knows? (laughs) Um, So... For a long time, there were no vampires in Marvel because somebody actually used Montessi formula in the Darkhold. But I don't know how they came back, but somehow they're back. Thank you, do. Um, I think I knew there were vampires in Marvel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, the 70s, like... uh, uh tomb of dracula there were all sorts of comics with with vampires and marvel in fact dracula fought the x-men and spider-man uh, <laughs> he got around quite a bit uh, tried to make storm his uh, vampire queen um but anyway <laughs> like you do yeah. so um uh <laughs> Well, that's what you get. Like, you know, like there was all kung fu comics, black exploitation, and horror in the 70s. So, you know, that's, that's, those were the popular genres. Um, but uh, yeah. So, um, really quick though, let's go through our characters outside of the hex. Um, so we have, you know, the Darcy, the Agent Wu, and, and we have um, uh, Monica um, Rambeau. And um, let's talk about Monica first because I think she's definitely like the weightier of the three of them and um 
to me, she'll always be Captain Marvel. That's the funny thing, because when I was reading comics, Monica Rambeau was the one who had the name Captain Marvel because the original Captain Marvel was dead. And um, and Carol Danvers, who wasn't Captain Marvel yet, was actually called Miss Marvel. Um, actually, she was called Binary at that point. But anyway, that's a whole other, it's a whole other thing. Um, but um, and, and later she takes the name Photon. Um, but when, when the Captain Marvel name is, is taken by somebody else who isn't even Carol Danvers yet, <laughs> then after that, it's Carol Danvers who becomes Captain Marvel. But, um, so, so yeah, it was great seeing her. It was, uh, a fascinating way to give her her powers, which for those who don't know, she can turn into light. Um, and so the idea of using that sort of like meta sense of this is television, we're somehow crossing into television, we see that sort of like fringing of television on the border between like the X and the real world, and that she crosses that over more and more and more, like her body actually gets converted into electromagnetic energy and, and all of that. I thought that was a really cool way of um, establishing her character. So yeah, it was great seeing her in this. I really like how they show, because here's the thing. I've been worried since Endgame that, and even since really um, Far From Home, that two things were going to happen. A, the Sokovia Accords were just going to be ignored because they don't really bring them up in Far From Home. I basically figured after the blip, people were just going to be like, you know, we got bigger problems and we're not going to worry about this whole Sokovia Accords. And so... and and to me narratively that was just like well that's so disappointing because civil war was so recent and we're not even going to really deal with it because very few of the movies in between civil war and infinity war dealt with it and then it's just like we're going to hand wave it away but uh wandavision established two things a it established that the scovia accords are still in force because they talk about how wanda's acting in violation of the scovia accords but the other thing that they show because i was afraid that they were just going to treat the blip like a joke because in far from home that's pretty much all that it is is it's just like yeah some people have some problems but oh well we're dead we fixed it you know it's not that big when you think about the fact that the population doubled overnight you know, like, there's no way things just go back to status quo. And when you think about all the messy stuff, you know, I mean, I mean, there's some, like, they, to, the, to the trivial or, or, or not, not trivial is not the right word, but the things that are more mundane, like people coming back and finding out that their spouse is remarried, to uh, things like a world leader blipped out and then comes back. And now it's like somebody else is leading the country. And then now there's going to be like a civil war as factions divide over, should we be following this guy or this guy, you know, stuff like that. Or, you know, it's like stuff like that. Like, like the world should be in huge turmoil after this happens. And then they also brought into the, you know, WandaVision established like all the medical facilities that have like been like, scaled down to the population that they had and now suddenly like twice as many patients show up because all the people who were sick that blipped out come back still sick and it's like how do you handle all that so um does that mean the avengers were bad guys (laughs) 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 oh let's not get me started philosophy (laughs) let's not get me started on how like I'm so annoyed about Endgame just because they gave Tony a daughter, so they forced them not to use the way to actually fix things, which was to go back and make it that so the blip never happened. 
That was the way to actually fix things. That's how they did it in the comics. And that's one of the few times where I'm like, this does not, but, but that's the thing. I thought they weren't going to deal with it. And if they're going to deal with it, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it was okay. So I'm just going to watch the movies and the shows as they move forward from here. Because if they deal with it, then it's fine. But I was just like, if you just hand wave this away and be like, yeah, just a movie or two later, we're not even going to worry about like the blip or anything that happened. But, and just the trauma of what happened to Monica though, is the other side, the people who come back from the blip and find out their loved ones died. Mom was fine. Yeah, but a year later she died, or two years, whatever they said. It was either a year or two years later she, she got sick again. She died, you know. So the trauma for her of thinking everything was fine and to her in just the blink of an eye, her mother died, who she thought had recovered. And um, she's out of a job. <laughs> well, no, I mean, they gave her, I mean, not the job she wanted, but she at least <laughs> still had employment. They just sent her on what they thought was like a, like a, you know, like a milk run kind of mission, like the supervisor's drone <laughs> kind of thing it's just a yeah. weird x files thing it'll be fun <laughs> right. just a missing person don't worry about it <laughs> although that is the one thing like i guess it was agatha there too but they never did explain why she and jimmy could perceive the town when nobody else could because yeah, at first i thought well maybe it's people who blipped out like are somehow immune to it but then no they showed that that wasn't you know, uh, the case. So I'm like, uh, I don't know. I, 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 that's the one question I still have at the end of this is why were she and Jimmy able to perceive it while other people weren't? Um, because then all the people with sword who show up can also perceive it, but it's like, okay, why can they perceive it? I thought maybe like Wanda just had the, or maybe even Agatha, who knows, had the cops that were turned them away just under their spell. Yeah, well, I mean, Agatha wanted them to penetrate the barrier, I think, to, again, prod Wanda into remembering. So I think that the transmit, because that's one of the things that I think people misunderstand about this show is people think Wanda was the one sending the transmission. I don't think she was. She wanted to be left alone. To send yeah. a transmission would be to invite people to come. I think Agatha was sending the transmission because she wanted somebody to find it. She wanted somebody to realize. So I think maybe she somehow, when she saw people coming to investigate, like allowed them to perceive it. Whereas Wanda's original effect was like a no perception. And like Agatha was trying to like lure people in to like to fight Wanda's, you know, re reality basically. Yeah, um, well, they even make a point of showing her in a director's chair at one point. So yeah, like because she was cutting certain pieces out of the footage that they were like viewing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So yeah, because I mean, it just doesn't make sense for Wanda to have sent the transmission because she didn't want anyone to watch it. She didn't want. She wanted to be left alone. You know. Uh, so anyway, anyway, that's a tangent. But yeah, no. So I really liked Monica. And I thought Monica was, you know, uh, a really great, you know, character. They really showed her being like, you know, like a forthright person who can't stand to see like wrongdoing happen. She defends Wanda after being one of the people that was taken hostage by Wanda when she went into the, into the hex. But she was like, but I understand because I understand the grief because that's what I'm feeling with my mom right now. And so we have that empathy also. So I thought it was a really strong showing for her. I really like that they established her as a character. I think it's pretty obvious from that post-credit scene with the scroll that she is going to be in the Secret Invasion series that they've announced for uh, possibly Captain Marvel too. But I think I think it's the Secret Invasion series is where we're going to see her next. Um, 
So, uh, so yeah, uh, I, I was very happy with her depiction. And like I say, she is a character that I do recognize from the comics and have some history with, and I thought that they did her proud. So, um, for people who have no comic knowledge of <laughs> Monica Rambo, uh, Jess, what do you, <laughs> what do you think of her character? I mean, I really enjoyed her character. It took me a solid three episodes to realize the tie-in to Captain Marvel because, mm. again, I had I had no clue who she was. Mm-hmm. Not a clue. Uh, I didn't know anything about the comics. Eventually, down the line, someone at some point explained to me about Photon and all of that. Um, but I, I liked her. I really enjoyed her character. I I liked kind of like the realism that she kind of brought and the way that she dealt with everything. And I did, I agree with you. I found it super interesting that when she went in there and she came out, she was still defending Wanda, even after everything she had kind of been through. Um, so I thought that was really interesting and I'm excited to see more from her because I know more is coming for her. Um, but overall, yeah, I was really happy with uh, her character and what they do with it. It was very interesting to me. Yeah. James? Yeah, uh, I really liked Monica. Um, I like, I, I wasn't sure entirely like what her abilities were uh, when she initially got them, but I did like the evolution of like how they got there. Um, as you said, like the whole like moving, like like pressing herself through this wall, um, you know, because she'd already been affected by it um, is really what like led to the change and all that. Um, I, I, I was sad because at the realization that her mom died, like I didn't catch it right away. My wife's the one who was just like, oh, that's, that's, uh, that's Miss Marvel's best friend, like her daughter. And I I went, oh, oh, off-screen death for her best friend. That's sad. Uh, (laughs) I was like, why? But yeah, uh, I thought, I thought it was a really nifty way to like tie her into the series. Um, I am excited to see where we go with like Captain Marvel 2 and everything. Um, I think the one thing that this really got me thinking about (laughs) was, and it's the weirdest thing, was she comes back. And in that moment, it's like she came back right where she was, like sitting in that chair. And I was like, first off, for five years, nobody moved that chair. Nobody. (laughs) Not a soul. That chair stayed right there. And then like later on, I looked at my wife and I went, wait a second. This establishes that people came back exactly where they were when they disappeared. So if somebody was in a car that like they just disappeared out of the car, but then the car got crushed somewhere. This is morbid. I know. But. Do they come back in the crushed car? <laughs> I've been saying like, this. No, no, no. It's even worse than that, James. This is what I've been saying. This is why I say the end game was not really a good resolution and why really the only proper <laughs> resolution was the going back in time and making sure it never happened. Because think of all the people that are going to die now because they were in an airplane when they blipped out. And now they appear in midair and fall to their death because that's where they blipped out. <laughs> or the it's people who were on planes people. that crashed because the pilot and co-pilot blipped out and the plane crashed and right. all the other cra- oh, like there's so much that oh, happened because of the blip <laughs> and it's like just bringing everybody back isn't like you know they even showed it in far from home that was like the band like that just suddenly reappeared in the court and like people just like <laughs> into them. you know like and so yeah like you were crossing the street and you blipped out 
And then you blip back and it's no longer like the, you know, walking is okay. Like cars are coming. And so you get hit by a car. Like there's all kinds of problems. Oh, yeah. with this, oh, yeah. But you know? it, I, she was like, that's what you focus on. And I was like, yes, that's what I focus on. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I love the character. I, I love for what she stands for. Cause you do see so much of her mother in her, like from just our, our, our small experience with her mother in Captain Marvel, like very much a lot of that character is present there. And I thought the actress did a good job of really capturing that, um, you know, she very much followed in like her mom's footsteps in her military career. And um, yeah, I, I look forward to the future with that character, with that actress, honestly, because she doesn't have a huge IMDb, um, but I thought she knocked it out of the park. I thought she did a great job. Yeah, she talked in the documentary thing they did about how, like, you know, she was really nervous going for the part and everything. And, like, you know, she wondered, like, are they going to, you know, like, I knew it was Marvel, but I didn't know what it was in Marvel and all that kind of stuff. And, like, now she actually has, like, a fairly significant, like, character and, you know, a role and everything. So, yeah, like, she might end up being, like, one of, like, the breakaway, like, stars, you know, moving forward. So we'll have to see. Uh, Beth, what about you? What do you think about uh, Monica? I really liked her character. Um, she was very down to earth and very real, but she still had that emotional maturity maturity that a lot of, like even the, the military commander dude just like, didn't have. He was just a jerk. Um, but she had, like mentioned before, she had that empathy because of similar experiences. So of course she's going to like forgive Wanda for what happened because it was like a reflex. Yeah, it's so great to see, like, emotional maturity in superhero fiction, because for so long, that's been, like, the one thing lacking is, like, everything turns into, like, I hate you, and then we've got to fight and all that kind of stuff, and, you know. We need the room. <laughs> we are through, mother. <laughs> I love you, Oliver, but you were really, really overly dramatic <laughs> sometimes. Um, but anyway. <laughs> um all right, so so let's take, because again, we're going long, let's take uh, our two returning side characters, uh, Jimmy Woo and Darcy, kind of as a pair. Um, you know, I was happy to see Darcy again. I felt like they toned her back down, which I was really grateful for, because she was fun and Thor. And I felt like in Thor 2, she was like a caricature of herself. Like, it was like, oh, you love Darcy? Well, here's all the Darcy you can take. Like, you know, let's like make her wackier and zanier. And it's just like, when they're forcing it, it didn't feel as funny as it did in that first Thor, where it was just like, she just kept, you know, like, you know, like uh, <laughs> tasing the people, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, that kind of stuff. That was funny. You know, like the, the the other stuff was not funny, you know. Um, so uh, I, and I felt like that was level. Like they made her like, oh, she's knows some things. She's a smart person. You know, uh, she's actually graduated and has her PhD and everything. And she cracks some jokes and is kind of sarcastic and fun. But she's not like wacky, super wacky, zany. Everything is a joke. Everything is comedy kind of thing. And so I appreciated that. Jimmy Woo, on the other hand, I do not understand the internet's love of him. Like, everybody's like, oh, man, he's going to have his own series, or he and Darcy need to have a series together. I didn't find him funny in Ant-Man and the Wasp, and I do not find him funny here. Um, he was a character that does not work for me at all. Um, 
I mean, they needed another character and they needed somebody who was going to be like, you know, had like law enforcement connections, who was going to be like, you know, on the side of the good guys. And that's fine. He served that role fair enough. But I don't think he's funny. I, I did not laugh at anything he said and found him mildly annoying. Um, so I don't know. But um, Beth, thoughts? Um, I remember. I would normally just repeat everything you just said, but in different words and in okay. a slightly less coherent manner. Okay. So I think we just, just skip me. Okay. James? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, Jimmy's always been one of those characters that he did. He was just like that kind of scrub off, like light comedic uh, person. Um, honestly, the moment that stole it for me where I went, he's a competent FBI agent because the thing is like when you really think about it, it's like a bumbling idiot isn't going to get into the FBI that's not realistic it's just not and the fact that we see him like sneak the phone and he like takes out some guys like efficiently too I was like okay Jimmy okay I'm on board yeah, for action that. Jimmy <laughs> um, like like show more action Jimmy um, because yeah from the beginning I'm like uh, the guy who wanted to learn card tricks from Ant-Man is in charge of this. I don't, it's bad. It's so bad, <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm indifferent. Like I don't need the character, but he also didn't really hurt anything for me either. Yeah. I mean, and since he wasn't a huge part of the show, it wasn't like, yeah, it really dragged it down for me. It's like, again, it's more of just like, there is so much of an outpouring of love for him and cries for him to have his own series that I just don't understand it. Cause I'm like, he's, he's not really that compelling or funny as he is now. But like you say, there are things that are interesting and if they, they can retool him properly, that that'd be fine. But just like right now, I just find him mildly annoying. I mean, he's not horrible. I don't hate him, but it's just, like i find him mildly annoying annoying whereas i i love darcy i think darcy's great um, but uh jess what do you yeah. think um i actually like i like jimmy woo i don't know i i always thought he was kind of like i just i i kind of thought he was funny i didn't mind him in eight man at all and then so i thought it was cool that he popped up here and he's he's a much better character in the in this show than he was in ant-man for sure so um but i but i enjoyed him overall and i like darcy so i liked their team up although from what i remembered of darcy i didn't really think she was the type that was going for like a phd in like nuclear physics or whatever it is they gave her so i thought that was a slight retcon but um i was okay with it because I like what they it do. It may make you feel old, but a lot of time has passed since Thor 2 also. So, you know, I mean, it's I one know. of those things where it's like, after being in the middle of all these crazy cosmic events, maybe she changed her... Because other pe I've heard other people yeah. bring that up as an issue. And I'm like, to me, it's not an issue because people change their, like, college, like, degree. Like, again, this might be a more drastic one, but people change, like, their majors all the time. So, I mean, I'm like... And she's had five years, so... Right. Well, yeah. even on top of that, though, between Thor 2 and the blip was oh, yeah, like true. eight years, right? No, 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 no I'm, I'm wrong. It's six years, and then, then there's an extra five. So it's been like 11 years since Thor 2 for her. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, that does help my headcanon at least a little bit, because I, I wasn't remembering all of that. I was like, hold on a second. How did she all of a sudden go into, like, physics? Just like, because she wasn't a physicist when, when she started. So anyways... But yeah, that, um, so, I, but that didn't really like detract anything from the character for me. I, I think that her playing that character is about the only thing I like the actress doing. 
<laughs> like otherwise I am not a fan of that actress. I don't like anything else much really that she does. So, um, but I, I like the two of them together and I thought it was a good pairing that they were kind of like the outsiders that were going to like help Monica and Wanda and like take everything down. So I thought it was cool. I like her talking with vision about watching the show of his life. <laughs> I've been watching WandaVision for weeks. You two were made for each other. <laughs> I thought that was really sweet. And, uh, and, you know, so, know. Yeah. All right. Well, um, you know, we've been talking for quite a while. Um, any final thoughts on WandaVision? So let's start with, oh, oh, okay. Beth is actually ready on a question right from the, right from the beginning. So Beth, yes, <laughs> final story. thoughts on WandaVision. See, I, I'd actually been reserving this particular thing um, for a while because I wasn't really sure where to fit it in the conversation. Well, now's the time. I guess it is. Um, so the last episode, um, after you know, she's, she's dissolving the hex, she's shrinking it or whatever it is that she mm. did to get rid of it. She gave herself time to say goodbye. Mm. And what really had me in tears was I put myself in her shoes as a mother. And she's basically kissing her children goodbye because they are about to die. And she's not telling them the horrible truth of that and protecting their innocence in this regard so that they're not afraid. They die, air quotes, in their sleep, which is the most humane thing she could have done for them. And that was just a huge dose of mother's love so she, i think she will always be a mother at heart because of of her time in the hex and that was just so gutting that whole scene of, of kissing the boys goodnight i just wanted to mention that because i was sad no i mean it's a sad i mean <laughs> i i don't think that that's particularly sappy i think that if you don't feel anything watching that scene then you're kind of like you might be a sociopath and you might not have the ability to feel emotions because that's uh sorry i'm sorry for anyone listening to this that didn't feel something sorry like if that. you're a sociopath <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i said might i said might i didn't call you a sociopath so anyway um so that 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 was rough. That was rough to watch. I, I completely agree. And I wouldn't call myself a sap. Um, uh, Jess, what about you? Final thoughts for one uh, division? Oh, overall, I mean, I just ended up being really impressed with the series. I I liked it a lot. Um, I like. I I don't know. I mean, I feel like we've hit on all of like the major points, at least that I know. Like, I wanted to talk about for sure. Um, I don't know. I don't have a lot of good closing thoughts, and I'm also getting really tired. No call. Sorry. <laughs> All right, James, final thoughts. Man, it was such a great show. Um, I mean, if Disney is going to produce stuff like this on this caliber with this kind of writing, I mean, I've already been uh, started watching um, Winter Falcon, Soldier and the Falcon. And, and like, it's again, like, it's just, it's that Marvel movie money hitting it. So the production quality is amazing. The CG effects are amazing um the the music the the co composition is amazing so i mean wanda it's just there's there's so much that can be talked about in this show i mean you could very easily break down hour-long podcast episodes uh on each episode alone um and it's just yeah like if you haven't watched it watch it like i promise the first three episodes are the roughest ones <laughs> as far as if you're like what is happening like give like watch it encourage your friends to watch it like this this is how tv should be written in my opinion like it should be on this kind of level 
probably the worst time for you to actually say that because now we've spoiled everything for them. <laughs> I know, I know, but they can still enjoy it. <laughs> As always, I forgot to put a spoiler warning at the beginning of the podcast. Um, That's but, what text is for. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, for my final thoughts, like, yeah, I mean, I agree about uh, the Marvel movie money and how what we're actually getting, and this goes back to my comments about binging, is like these are actually like four to five hour movies that they're making and they just split them up to make them something that you know not everybody has a four to five hour block that they can just sit down and watch so they're basically like chapter stops you know that you can just say like okay i'm stopping here and whatever but that's that's i think how they're approaching these is more like this is just an extra long movie and so that's really cool because i mean while we've had things that sort of approach that in the past i think this is like truly like like a unique thing in just the way that it's being presented, um, you know, through Disney plus and, and with the amount of money and with just the care and because it is part of this larger franchise, that's all interconnected too. So other things might've had the money, but they're not part of a bigger franchise. I mean, you know, Netflix might've done a series that also had like movie budget or whatever, but it's not part of a larger series. So all of this stuff, it just creates this sort of larger whole, that Marvel is, and they're still killing it in a way that none of the other mega franchises are. Even though Disney owns Star Wars, it's still not as expansive and interesting as this is yet. Maybe it'll get there. DC is floundering all over the place, you know. Star Trek is kind of trying right now, and we'll see how it goes, but they're not quite really there yet either. So again, all these other franchises are trying to follow Marvel. Marvel's got this thing locked in, and, and WandaVision is a great you know, example of that as far as like the overall Marvel picture. And it's a great beginning for the Disney plus part of that specifically. And I was really impressed with the quality of it. Um, and, and like, like it's already been mentioned, you know, both from production value and writing and acting um, pick phenomenal, you know, people to, to flesh out the cast and, and then stellar performances from the two leads. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's been really great and it'll be interesting to see how Dr. Strange 2 picks up these threads and where some of these other threads might lead, you know, uh, Secret Invasion, Captain Marvel 2, Black Panther 2, wherever else the other characters wind up. Um, so yeah, like James, I think that you should give it a watch if you haven't yet. Uh, sorry that we spoiled a whole lot of it, but there's still going to be more in there. Like until you watch the sitcoms, like us describing it, that's not going to be like the same experience as watching it, you know? So, so, you know, just, just watch it for that. If nothing else, I think you'll have a good time if you, uh, have any appreciation for older sitcoms. Um, so yeah, that's, that's it for WandaVision. Um, let's say your goodbyes and let people know where they can find us online. So why don't we start with you, James? Uh, yeah, you can find me online at Roman on the rocks on Twitter. Um, I think I have an Instagram. I don't know. Uh, I don't use it. So <laughs> you do. Uh, I know uh, because I recently got on Instagram. Yeah. Like sort of kind of, I found uh, everybody. <laughs> Um, and then you can also find me on Facebook at Roman on the Rocks as well. All right. And Jess, why don't you say goodbye and let people know where they can find you? Sure. Yeah. So thanks for having me on again. It's always a pleasure. And uh, you can find me most frequently on the Tomorrow's Legends podcast, where we are talking about all things Legends of Tomorrow, Superman and Lois, and Stargirl. Those are the three main shows that we're covering right now. Um, and they're about to all start overlapping. So that's going to be fun. 
Uh, but yeah, you can, you can find us wherever podcasts are found um, or you can go to tomorrowslegends.ca and you can find all of the outlets that we're in, all of our episodes and all that good stuff. Um, if you want to follow me personally, I'm at Justin Atlanta on Twitter. My other accounts are private. <laughs> Okay. And Beth, why don't you say goodbye and let people know where they can find you? Well, good news. Good news. I finished the petticoat, so that's good. Um, <laughs> uh, good night, Internet. Um, you can find me on uh, Facebook as Mrs. Whisker Studios. That's also my Etsy name. And as a fun teaser, by the time this podcast airs, I will have released a Wanda and Vision lovey for all your tiny ones. Oh, and they won't be imaginary. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Beth, Jess, and James, thank you for being on the podcast this week. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thanks. And that's a wrap on WandaVision. We hope that you liked the episode, but we want to know what you thought. Did you like the episode? Did you not like the episode? Do you like our cast? What do you think of the Disney Plus shows in general? Let us know all of that and more. You can do it in a lot of different ways. One way is to email us at everything at 42cast.com. Another way is to go to our Facebook at facebook.com slash 42cast. You can go to our website at 42cast.com. You can also message us on either Twitter or Instagram at 42cast. You can also leave us reviews on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts. As I've said many times, Apple Podcasts is where we really get the most bang for our buck. The more reviews we have, the higher we show up in searches. So we'd really appreciate it if you would give us a review on Apple Podcasts if you have an Apple account. I also want to let you know about the ESO Network Patreon. It's a way to help out all the shows on the network. You can go there. You can see all the different tiers. You can see what you get for those tiers. So if you have some funds, we'd appreciate if you would contribute a little bit. And you can find that by going to patreon.com slash ESO Network. You can also find me on two other podcasts. The first one is Time Streams, where my friend Juliet and I are going through all of Doctor Who from the beginning. You don't have to buy the episodes to listen along with us because we describe everything important that happens in the episode. So if you just want to hear our banter, you can listen to it. But obviously you get more out of it if you are also watching the episodes along with us. But either way, check it out. That's Time Streams. The second one is Legendary Forces, where Juliet and I again, but also joined by Joe, Ashley, and Corey, are going through all of Star Wars fictional media from the beginning. That's the movies, the TV shows, the comics, the novels, anything that actually happens in the Star Wars universe. We're going through it. We're talking about how the Star Wars universe evolved over time, as well as telling you what each bit of media that we consume in that episode, what we thought of it as far as quality but we're not paying attention to things like canon or anything like that and excluding certain things because we're talking about what would a fan have experienced starting in 1976, because that's actually when the novelization came out. It came out several months before the movie. A fan in 1976 going forward how they would have experienced the Star Wars universe. So if that sounds interesting to you, you can check that out at Legendary Forces. I'm not going to give a con update or like a TV watch update or any of that this episode because this is being recorded at the same time as I recorded the intro and outro for the Daredevil episode that just aired. So there hasn't been any progress on that score, but I will definitely give an update when I have more to say on those topics. But with that, our episode comes to an end. Join us back next week when Keanu Reeves will not be joining us. And until then, this is Nathan signing off.
You have been listening to the 42 cast copyright 2021. Got a question for the ultimate answer? Contact us at everything at 42 cast.com. Theme music is sharper swords by Brandon Ellis. Check out more of his work at www.cityfires.com. The 42 cast is a proud member of the ESO network. has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.